Second Bananas is recorded on unceded indigenous land belonging to the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that this land was never surrendered, relinquished, or handed over in any way. We support the various strategies that indigenous peoples use to protect their land and their communities, and we commit to working in solidarity with them. We acknowledge that as people living and working on these lands, we are accountable to those who have cared for this land since time immemorial. It is our intention to continue learning how to honor this responsibility. They've got to start it with their base code. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Dear. It's weird how like language has changed so much that they're like, okay, we can use this to like execute something, but like it also has a negative connotation. So I guess we can't. Right. So now it's what? you're gonna what? I wonder what they're gonna change it to. You're gonna even slave, I guess, to a certain extent. Like slave is a little more charged, but like execute, yeah. like come on. Like, yeah, yeah. that's like I legal so language. That's what I thought. Yeah. Like, you still have executors when you have your estate or whatever, right? So it's just kind well, of how, for for how, yeah, I would say, but for how, for how long? <laughs> how long yeah. till the woke mob comes for executors? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. That's crazy. I didn't know that was happening. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, neither did I. I found it a little surprising, but yeah, uh, yeah. a bit over the top. Some of it gets a little bit away from the essence of the yeah, idea yeah. i hope they put out a big pr announcement about it yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> we're not using the word slave anymore yeah <laughs> thanks guys yeah. uh, pat on back yeah all right uh yeah should we get started should we jump into yeah. this thing let's do it I'm, okay. I'm ready okay all right here we go Watched a few three. james bonds yeah yeah three two one Welcome, everybody, to Second Bananas, the podcast about the clout behind the clout that you didn't know about, history's greatest Garfunkels, the people behind the people, as it were. Uh, today on Second Bananas, I'm your host, Joe. Hey, I'm your other host, Wes. And I'm Craig. Welcome. Craig's also a host. And we have a very special guest today. Uh, welcome, Matthew Hottie, uh streamer. Artist, illustrator, animator, uh, kind of a Viking haircut guy. Very cool. Yeah. Welcome, Matt. Hello. Definitely have a Thanks. bit of a Viking yeah. bag. My uh, my COVID oh. cuts. Oh, oh, that's cool. Like, super gross all mullet. the way back. No. <laughs> nice. That is my nephew very was cool. joking. I have I have a mullet now, uh, <laughs> which is, is kind of true. Viking that mullet. Is, that is pretty. Cool. I remember the haircuts back in the '90s. They had. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever rocked the undercut. I bring it up oh, often oh. to my to my wife because I could never I could never get one with the, the <laughs> hair that I had. I tried, but it always just like become like a mushroom thing. Yeah, but I, I, always, I always wish I could do that where I could like you know kind of shave my yeah. the sides of my head and still have like a something I could play with on top a bit. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a fade for you. Like I guess yeah. not. Really, like, awesome. be, no, that what's the opposite of a fade where it's like a sharp edge, like uh, a, like a a. Um, there's a term. Is there a term for it? I don't know. Undercut. I don't, there must be <laughs> undercut, undercut. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like it fades. It fades on. Like yeah. it's nothing just, on top, and then I've been getting yeah. Caitlin to just like shave it for me. Um, yeah. The only thing she knows how to do is a mohawk. So because um, on punk days, <laughs> that's, that's have, what I have. I have okay. the same problem. Like I've been getting my wife to cut the sides, and it's getting long now. But 
if you can kind of see, I can kind of do this thing where like there's this, yes, the end here is just like way too long. So it starts yeah. to look like a turnip kind of thing. Like I'm like yeah. a turnip from Mario 3 <laughs> pretty, or whatever. Yeah, pretty foppish there, Joe. Yeah, yeah I just Which, try and keep it all yeah, tight. Keep it you all one do, side, but you could, you you could, could pull this like off. That. You just gotta comb it back. Like uh yeah, like a pushback comb over. Comb well, back I can I almost put it into a man bun. We did we do that whenever she cuts she trims the sides, but um I think when these three weeks are up, my uh my barber opened a private studio in Gastown where oh. it's just her. So I think once these three, because they, they locked us down for three weeks and I hope the cases go down because then I think I'll feel comfortable enough going like to that because it's like one person coming in at a time and just her and it's not like a bunch more people in the building. So I don't know. We'll see. See how I feel. I'm going to look forward to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi, Gene. New dudes. Uh, yeah. Matt get, came to us with this great idea that we would talk about uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 the one hit wonder of the James Bonds, George Lazenby, Lazenby, Lazenby. Lazenby. I've been saying Lazenby. I've been doing like hot A, so Lazenby. Yeah. I, I can't do it now. Thank you. I like, I like Lazenby because it sounds like laser. Yeah, it's like a exactly. laser. That's dope. Yeah. Laser B. I always, for, I think for, that's the reason I always think he's the one in Moonraker. That would, no, uh, no, he. That's more. That yeah, is more. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. But like Moonraker was sort of the one that everyone considers like non-canonical right? too, or something. Or maybe I'm thinking. Well, no, one. I think it is. No, the one that I know is not really canon is the first. Well, actually, the second, like Casino Royale, because I think they actually did a TV version of Casino Royale in the '50s. But yeah, they they did like a comedy Casino Royale with I forget the actor that also only did uh, Peter Sellers. Was it was Peter, Peter Sellers? Sellers? Oh my god! I think it was. Oh, because uh, oh, it could also be the second time that uh, Connery came back because he. Uh, oh god, what was that one called? No. It was a Thunderball. Um, no, um, he, he basically remade one of his original, uh, the ones he originally did, but like for a separate company who also had the rights to the James Bond franchise. I think the producers oh, okay. kind of split up, so that one might not be in continuity because it's like technically not. Like, like yeah, really. yeah. So, you're so it was Peter Sellers, uh, but wow. he, there you go. His credit nice. is Evelyn Tremble, and then in brackets, James Bond 007. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, I don't think they were allowed to do it. Like they got, they got a cease and desist sort of thing. So they're like, no, no, it's a parody. <laughs> parody. So well, what's interesting is it's like Ursula Andress was Vesper Lind, and then Orson Welles was Le Chiffre. Like he was the villain, like that, wow. like Orson Welles as a James Bond villain is like, man, yeah. man, I, you guys, it sucks that you guys never jumped on that, but I guess they were probably pissed that he did that. And then he died. Right. I um, think um, also it's a one, one of the only movies besides the new lot that uh, kind of stuck to like the original books. I think the others are kind of like based on the idea right. of the character and some of the stories, mm-hmm. whereas that one was like, this is like. Casino Royale, yeah, is like, yeah, an actual one of the stories. <laughs> yeah. And Sorry, Woody Allen think... is in it. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Oh, hey, yeah. It's, uh, no, sorry. It was actually David Niven. It's it. Well, that's what I was thinking of the Casino oh, Royale. There's two. There's David like a TV Niven, which was a also like one. a jokier one, but Peter Sellers actually turned down the role for this one. So he was originally, they wanted him for it. That's, yeah. That's funny. And I think, d- okay. That's pretty cool. I think like James, but like I when I when I first started this one, I was like, oh yeah, I'll watch some James Bond films. We'll talk about this. And then the mm-hmm. more I started reading about the James Bond verse, not even the James Bond, like the all of the things surrounding the like the licensing and the production and the like the creation and the 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 whole everything around these movies is so fascinating too. Like that's the thing. It's like 
and again, don't get me wrong, those movies are yeah, entertaining, yeah. It, but there's it has a whole so much more drama of. off screen than on, and that's what's really cool about it. And I think that was like why it's oh, no. why I'm really excited to oh, discuss sorry. this today. Come. Yeah, I when I, the more I read into this, the more I found was like the best part of James Bond was all the stuff behind the scenes, like mm. the way they made these movies, the weird little offshoots that like are not not considered canon. Uh, the way they like changed actors between movies and the ways they like both acknowledged that and then pretended it didn't happen at the same time. Like uh, I think it's all just really fascinating and I think we're definitely going to get into all that, but um, to start uh, Matt, what was your, like, how did you get first exposed to James Bond? Like what was your, sort oh, of like... shit. okay. Um, this has gone back a ways. Uh, Basically, when I was young, like a kid, I want to say like around 10 years old or something like that, we were living in Adelaide in South Australia, back when I was living in Australia, obviously. Um, and uh, I guess I guess my dad just had like this, this, um, this VHS drawer full of like James Bond movies that either he had nice. um, like, you know, taped off television or like had one of our relatives make a copy <laughs> of because that's how you used to pirate things back in the day you would just record from one vhs tape to another vhs yeah, tape and totally yes. Pi- uh, uh, probably i, I was gonna say out of vhs also piracy. probably not the worst type of vhs tape drawer you could discover of your father oh man yeah a very no, benign I've... version <laughs> of, the, of the dad vhs tape drawer yeah. <laughs> it's very fair uh i never discovered that one thankfully yeah. uh was left I, I, well, I did, did. <laughs> and let me tell you about no so did i let me tell you about <laughs> Backdoor sluts nine. <laughs> Whoa! Wow. Wes is just Park slandering reference. his dad on the podcast. <laughs> that was a South Park reference as well. Okay, so, sure it was. Go. All right, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, sorry, Matt, you were saying about your dad. Uh, no worries. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically, there was this whole drawer of James Bond movies that I, I just wasn't allowed to watch. I wasn't allowed to go into that drawer at all, apparently, and I can understand why. I mean, watch them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> very the very sexist and misogynist and uh, all sorts well, of things. But I, I mean, can I can understand how that would appeal to yeah. a man in his like thirties back in like the eighties or nineties. You know, like it's uh, very much like. And my dad was a military man as well. Like he he was in the air force, so I think there was like something about it that kind of like appealed to him. Obviously, mm. uh, just about like you know James Bond being a spy for the government and all that sort of stuff. Um, well, and being the like yeah. the the guy the guy who's sort of like charming and a ladies man, but at the end of the day, he's there to do a job, yeah. and that's kind <laughs> yeah. of what the big appeal of James Bond is: is he's sort right. of this guy that, and he's not afraid to get his ass kicked either. Like, or he's not afraid. He just like he will take a an ass kicking. Like that's what I tweeted the other day is like James Bond is just a guy who loves to get his ass kicked for the British empire. Cause like like every movie he gets the shit kicked out of him and then he just like gets up and fights back. So there's gotta be some sort of a character arc for him, something for him to overcome. Totally. Cause really the odds are actually all in his favor. He's got like the biggest empire in the world behind him (laughs) at that time. at least. Maybe it's a metaphor for the British empire. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I gotta say I love that these movies were being hidden from you for yeah, their totally. like, misogyny content. Well, like, no, I think it's more for the, the sexual content, but uh, okay, you know, yeah. I, I was, was also, like I mentioned, raised in like a Catholic household. Okay, yeah, okay. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons until I was older. So. I mean, oh, wow, like, okay. My mom didn't like The Simpsons either. I wasn't allowed to watch G.I. Joe, so I, I kind of there feel you in that sense. Yeah. But like looking back on these movies, I went back and watched a few of the old ones. It is like, yeah, the portrayal of women, it's like, 
you knew good. it was like that. You knew you're, what you're in for in a James Bond movie, but it's like, especially it's still like, through shocking. the lens of today, is just yeah. like, yeah. wow. Just, well, especially those early ones Grimping where like, Penny. and then also <laughs> I mean, like knowing Sean Connery's, again, like knowing Sean Connery's real life reputation, yeah, right. the amount that James yeah. Bond just like slaps a woman in the face. Oh my God. Is like, <laughs> oh God. So yeah. I, feel, I feel like we should acknowledge that we have four white men talking about this as well. Like, yeah, I feel for sure. For sure. To I'm only half white. Three white yeah. men, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Three and a half white men. <laughs> yeah. The I was so shocked. The uh, was it? I think it was on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which was the Lazenby one. Yeah, there is yeah. just like a full on scene like to subdue, like the the not even like one of the villains, like the 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 main Bond girl. Like at the end, she's getting a little too hysterical and is just like su- solid sucker punch to the face, just yeah. Like, yeah. just just to keep her like pacified. Well, yeah. It was like yeah. in uh, in 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 well, in Goldfinger, he literally sexually assaults pussy galore and that's yeah. how he like turns her to his side is like yeah. she's like oh, totally. they're in the barn and it's like it's like that he just he just he just raped her like that's what happens in that scene. he's a full-on yeah. rapey dude and, okay. and that's the thing is it's like see but, that one and, and it's, this, this and, is part of the reason i, I want to focus on lazenby as being the second banana because more is just mm-hmm. Fucking horrible! Like he is literally the worst Bond, I think. I because I, of reasons like that. Well, it's I it, think, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. I, 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 wanna, I never. Yeah, go ahead. No, uh, I want. I would. I will say, like, absolutely, like connery and moore are both terrible in their own ways like their own unique ways like connery is just like basically a fucking caveman like and and like and the thing with moore i think the reason connery gets away with it is because he isn't he just doesn't come across as a total toff whereas like roger moore is such like the like upper class british dude that like Mm -hmm. that even like and that's the nice thing about lazenby is he kind of pokes fun at that guy in his movie which i think we want to get into but like yeah, I just like I I found myself like there's just something kind of where it's like Connery, you're just like yeah, he's just kind of a creepy weirdo, but there is something about him that's kind of like uh more like I I hesitate to use the term like rough and tumble or whatever because he's creepy and gross yeah. too, but like he just feels like there's more still, of a there's person. Still a charm there or something. Yeah, like, and I mean, it's hard and, to to understand like to really like put a finger on it like i don't know what it is but like connery still comes across as charming even though he is very much a caveman yeah and i'll say that too like i i feel like sean connery still still exemplifies like kind of what i envision like james bond to be i still think like he might be the definitive bond but yeah yeah well, and to like, me, like, I think that's I think that's fitting because the actual role, like the character, even in the books, is very entitled. Like the woman, the female character, is like his territory to conquer. Just yeah, as yeah. just as the oh, locale, man. the exotic locale where the oh, where yeah. the book is well, set yeah. is you know ultimately his for the british empire really. exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> kind, still yeah even that, that first film true, yeah. it's like literally you're kind of like i'm kind of cheering for the bad guys here like they're yeah. kind of just like defending their country against the british empire totally. <laughs> so uh and and they're, they're so cool like i think like that's the other thing is like both, oh, yeah. well because i watched um yeah the what was the first one called again um dr no dr no yeah, i watched that one too uh, and then but then i watched the last one i watched just to get a more film in was uh live and let die which is the voodoo okay. movie mm. and, oh god yeah and yafet kato is the bad guy and he's like it's yafet kato so he's like the most charming dude in existence and like you're kind of just like 
they're cooler than Bond. Why why are we rooting right. for James Bond? Yeah, I think that in that movie, like all the people of color are like villains except for one who gets murdered, which is so. Like... There's like a Bond a Bond girl who's a who's a, again a, she starts off like being a bad a bad like a, a villain and then she he turns her by having sex with her and then she refuses to kill him and then she he like basically tells her to he's he's like he's like if you try and kill me i'll kill you first and she's like you wouldn't do that and he's like yes i would and then he lets her run away and then she gets killed and and then of course like the white woman is the one he ends up with which is a whole thing but uh but just i just more palatable joe yeah i know i know um <laughs> It's, these it's are obviously movies of of their time, big which time. Is, is big time. Like, yeah. Even then, like yeah, I think there was there was yeah. criticism of them for being retrograde and sexist at the like even right. not in the sixties, okay. but the seventies for sure. I bet well, because there they were like, largely based on books that were from their time yeah right. Totally, right. just slightly totally. earlier or so i also feel like at this point i need to say that like i don't i don't mean to glorify this character or like any of the things that he he's mm-hmm. done but uh like for, for a lot of my life i've been like told that Lazenby was like the worst Bond. So when mm-hmm. I did this like recent watch through, because I, to be honest, I'd never seen any of the Bonds, even though I had this like secret draw that I wanted to watch. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't watch them any of the one, any of them except for like the more recent ones. Like uh, Matt, you uh, finally in, disobeyed in your father. You finally exactly. broken the Catholic curse. I'm old enough to make my own decisions. Damn it! <laughs> Get out of here, Dad. No, uh, so yeah, I, I finally watched them all, like from start to finish, because they were all on a Canadian streaming service. So yeah. I just kind of watched them all back to back, and awesome. uh, uh, I was like, you know what? This is actually kind of cool. If you strip away, like, if you acknowledge that, like, half of this shit is just gross and disgusting. Like, the the adventure of it is is still kind of fun. Like, um, but like, then you go like, that's bad, and I know why, and then. But, like there's nothing I can do about it except for make my own choices and not decide to do those things. So yeah, but, for sure. Well, I yeah. think um, you can't not yeah. look at these films and go like, "Wow, these are well made." Especially like I think like the early ones, the the later ones definitely get a little like you can see where the franchise starts to get kind of bloated and overdone. Yeah. Like again, like Live and Let Die, great movie, great action sequences. There were just too damn many of them. It was like two hours, and there were three boat chase sequences. That all kind of did the same thing. But like, I think like, to be fair, like uh, Dr. No, that's like an hour and a half. And it is like clearly a movie that they didn't have like, like they had a budget, obviously, but it it was not like the budgets that later Bond films had. And it is clearly Mm -hmm. made knowing that and they went in and it's like, like Matt, I was texting Matt while I was watching. I was just like, he was like, this is really good. And it was like, yeah, it is like it's a really well-made like action movie on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. And you, you can appreciate that yeah. on its own. And it's it, again, like I kind of said, it reminds me of how the Marvel universe started too, and then blew up and became this huge thing that sort of defined everything. Mm-hmm. And I also found like, <laughs> like getting into like the, not only Lazenby was kind of the one where it really started happening. I think it built over the Connery years, like, but like the quips, and like the the crazy action sequences and the crazy ways to kill people and stuff like those all built over time and each movie had to top itself and it feels yeah. like it, they kind of became this bloated mess with like the weird quippy one-liners and like stuff like that that didn't kind of existed in the first movie but weren't like the point either yeah they well, hadn't become tropes yet yeah yeah and that's totally. so funny because i was telling this to joe but 
seeing these seeing these earlier movies that I hadn't watched yet, especially Doctor No, and I even noticed I think a few of them developing on uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which was the Lazenby one, but comparing that to Austin Powers, it's like I could see I could see where they got some of the tropes I didn't see before. And it's like, you know, in Doctor No when they're like on the they're like in that disinfectant like conveyor belt, like getting like showered and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, oh that's where Austin Powers got that gag when they got right. like decryed. And I noticed watching like the old ones too, there's always like some million dollar like reference point like in, in Doctor No, there's like the aquarium that he's got, the sweet like underground aquarium. He's like, it's it's gotta be like a million dollars or something. And then yeah. in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, like when it, uh, the dude like tries to like coerce him to to marry his daughter, he's like, "I'll give you a one million dollar dowry if you marry my yeah. daughter." And like, so it's like this price point of one million dollars does seem to like yeah. that was a lot of money. Coming man. out a lot, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like in nineteen sixty-seven, that oh, meant more course, than yeah. it did today. But that's just like it's so funny to see that it was like yes, it was just like this mind blowing sum of money that it's just like how could he turn down a million dollars? It's like yeah, because he he loves the bachelor life too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I want. I do want to. I want to get into uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service more because I think, sure. like, like Matt said, like it is so different from the other Bond films, and not just because of Lazenby and like, but it's just like there is like to me, it's like all of the James Bond films just represent this huge, like, yeah. Again, like like the Marvel movies, like they started off one way and then they sort of became this whole zeitgeist, right? And there's all this stuff yeah. around them that informs them and like yeah i just find like but again austin powers just lifted a ton of stuff from that and just made it and just like did the logical thing of not treating it seriously and making fun of it instead just minded for satire yeah but there were that like i think the early like maybe mid 60s or early 60s there was this big like largely due to peter sellers being so popular there was like this push to like try and make james bond this like comedy funny thing kind of like get smart or like a parody yes. of itself yeah, yeah and there, there are a few there are a few parody james bond movies that like well, yeah the non-canon ones uh, austin powers pulled from a lot of things james bond being the main one but i think there was like a few other uh, properties that they they took from as well uh, yeah like, michael mostly like british yeah yeah like the british um, like the I, ipcrest file i think is like another one that i think of which is a great yeah. much more like gritty and like nasty movie yeah. than the james bond movies and that's like sort of how Michael Caine carved out his space was like, he was like the, 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 the oh, scummy. The Avengers as well. The yeah, I was going to say the yeah, Avengers. The Avengers yeah, totally. the yeah. Yeah. Which is again, interesting yeah. because Diana Rigg was in on her majesty's secret service. And oh. that's like a good, like, I think like the thing about Diana Rigg is like what she looks best at is like kicking the asses of men twice her size like she looks so good doing that and like you can see how they like i i don't know if like avengers came before or after on her majesty's secret service i think they might have overlapped too but like they clearly are like okay now here's the scene where she beats the shit out of a huge dude so yeah Mm -hmm. uh she definitely played a more like um what's the word like damsel in distress with late next to Lazenby instead of being like more kick-ass I think I haven't seen the original Avengers only the remake uh mm-hmm. which oh wow yeah, it's been okay. a long time a, a Dude, you gotta watch the, the original Avengers it's uh it's okay. actually like it's very it's show, like right? British 60s TV but it's also like okay. it has that weird perviness to, uh, like like <laughs> like button down zipped up perviness of British TV in the 60s that's like okay. both like very like hmm, mm. yes we're we're defending Britain but also this lady is going to be in a cat suit ooh yeah, a little like, bit raunchy yeah. <laughs> and Diana Rigg is like yeah. the best at that like 
it's uh it's trash tv but it's very good trash tv i think it's, it's maybe it's off topic a little bit but it's worth mentioning that uh mike Myers i think made austin powers as a way to like reconnect like connect with his dad after his mm-hmm. father died oh wow I didn't um, know that. so it's like based on a lot of the stuff that he used to like share like shared interests with his dad's mm-hmm. like tv shows and movies and mm-hmm. stuff and then he actually brings michael kane in to play that father figure that his yeah. character austin reconciles with and all yeah. that sort of stuff it's and they so- do the whole satirical bit with the daddy wasn't there and all that stuff which is <laughs> which is fucking brilliant in yeah. whatever one that was <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah i think yeah. together so the Austin good. powers films like they they get a lot of like i think like people forget how like they're good they're still funny to me especially the first are, i think yeah. they're starting to come around as being like a little a little i mean they there's scenes that haven't aged as well too no like, obviously <laughs> sure, obviously sure, there's yeah. some pretty bad yeah. ones that i think are kind of a microscope on some of the like racist and misogynist tropes that the films, the older films are like the mid era films, I guess up to mid era films. Yeah. And it's like made a lot of hay with. Um, And so he kind of got like one last stab at it as like a tongue in cheek thing, but it's still pretty cringe even. Yeah. Definitely all the the fat bastard stuff is like probably the worst. Um, And then like, yeah. And then yeah, Mike Myers doing like weird I mean, he kept doing that stuff though, which was also kind of the problem. Like he did the yeah. love guru. Yeah. Well, he also has like a, the ones that's really getting a lot of attention now is he had in I think Gold Member. It might have been Gold Member, but he had like the Asian twins, the, like terrible, yeah, the yeah. and the Fook me, and, it's just, and again, like, like it was see, supposed to be making fun. Like again, like that's a good example of like trying to parody something and and then just kind of ending up like Feeding reinforcing it, yeah. it instead of making it funny, right? Whereas I think the misogyny right. stuff and the the like that stuff is so over the top that it still works as a parody. Um, Mm -hmm. But it, yeah, I think like, that's also interesting too, because like the bond girls is like a whole thing. And as much as like James Bond is a creep to them, they are also like, especially as the movies go on, they do become less like, like even Diana Riggs character in on her Majesty's secret service, like as much as she is like a damsel in distress, like she is kind of, she has her own agency to a certain extent and that, she causes yeah. problems for herself and, and for James Bond. And like, it's not like a classic damsel in distress and I'm not saying they're perfect, but it does seem like as the Bond girls sort of became a thing, there was that sort of push to make them at least like, you know, like the whole Conan red Sonia thing where it's like, I'll only be with a man that bests me in battle. And, and that has its own <laughs> issues in itself, yes. but it's also like, it's also like a, an attempt to sort of make these women give them more than just like, make you know okay they're there to like look sexy and like like wear a low-cut top that gets ripped off but they're also like characters to a certain extent just i'm, I'm really excited and interested to see the the latest bond movie that's coming out because uh yeah well bridge had like a really big hand in the script there oh really and, oh okay um, oh. yeah that's uh, interesting I think they're they going to change 007 to, um, I don't know what the lady's name is, but she's like double something. I don't know. She's another double O agent. Yeah. Um, oh, interesting. Female lead though. Uh, but yeah, it, it seems like they're going to turn that, that whole thing on its head, which is good. Cause it's like, like it's well time. beyond time to yeah. like even try yeah. it. But, um, yeah. Well, I think like, cause I think didn't they say lot. Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig just seems to like not want to play James Bond anymore, but he keeps yeah. doing movies. Yeah. They just keep giving him dumb <laughs> trucks of cash. I yeah. Think they <laughs> that, yeah. Too much money to, to but say that's no the thing. It just yeah. feels like everyone's ready for a new James Bond. And like, my guess is like, they're having trouble finding someone that they can, that will do it for the money that they, they can give 
but also is yeah. like a big enough name that it'll be like uh sort of like because you have to kind of stunt cast james bond at this point mm. like you can't just uh, or or you have to do like a complete unknown like Lazenby and sort of play yeah. off the like the, the 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 new excitingness of that i guess so. a little bit yeah mm, i don't know i love the idea of elba as bond but yeah so. i think he would be really perfect for it but i've heard that like he just he he knows that there's going to be so much black backlash he just doesn't yeah. want to get in. i think he that's just the thing it's like also like like again, if you're if you're just trying to like make a black guy the symbol of British imperialism, then it it raises some very uncomfortable <laughs> questions. And it does, it does yeah. seem like they're just trying to pave something over by yeah. like maybe yeah. putting him in the role. But again, Which they're not going to. Yeah, go ahead. That's very much you know kind of representative of what's happening <laughs> oh, everywhere, totally. right? Yeah, corporations, studios, to do those quick makeovers. Yeah, hey, look, let's put somebody non-white, non-male, non-cis yeah. or whatever in this thing and suddenly all of our problems are solved. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then suddenly all that weight is on that individual to be like, well, right. you're the... You Intersectional everyone. imperialism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Consuming everyone's soul. That's true. It's Especially true. the people that are foisted to like the front and center of that, right? That's a lot to bear. Yeah, even if you get a fucking dump truck full of cash for it. Well, and yeah, and, I, and also if you are um of like if you are sort of like a an a, a marginalized person in one of those roles, you still get a ton of hate too. And like it's not oh, like well, they're those systems are good at supporting people who get that. Like I think like a well, good example thing, yeah. of what happened to Kelly Marie Tran from the Star Wars series. Like right, what yeah. happened? Like it's disgusting the way they hung her out to dry. Uh, yeah. It's completely yeah. unconscionable. But like. And and that wasn't even a bad one. Like Star Wars isn't even particularly like it's kind of like vaguely anti-fascist, right? So it's like the fact that those people would then be like, "Yeah, we're not going to do anything, and we're actually going to cut you out of the fucking movie." Like, like yeah. now I imagine like you imagine the backlash against Idris Elba, and he's like looking at all this stuff that's happening, being like, "Yeah, maybe this is just a bad idea. Maybe if I'm going to yeah. do this, I want a hundred kajillion dollars, and then I'll do it. Maybe." No, so. he's been around. He's pretty savvy, yeah. and it's like totally. it's a trap, right? It's obviously kind of a trap. You don't, um, you know, it comes with strings attached when you um, f- kind of fuck with mm-hmm. white people's culture. Right. Yeah, you know that there's going to be a ba- big backlash because pe- right. white people play so fast and loose with everyone else's culture, but they're yeah. so precious about their own quote unquote culture, which is really just everyone else's. Which is culture. a James Bond. <laughs> James yeah. Bond movies are the pinnacle of white culture. Kind of, kind of really. It's like a product of oh, yeah. actually like a yeah. you know anglo anglo like renaissance if you think oh. about it and especially like i was like watching the old movies like we were saying like yes obviously it's sign in the times but just watching like usually early on in 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 like the james bond caper he'll he'll have like an assassin sent to kill him like or he'll find someone in his room or there'll be like something will try and kill him and like i've seen yeah. like there's that there's yeah both in dr no and in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And I can't think of the other one that I've seen. I think it was a Roger Moore one. But yeah, I remember yeah. all three times, like the assassin's always like a big black guy. That's like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's or like a three, recurring. Three black guys. Yeah. <laughs> they put a snake in his bed that's super poisonous yeah. or a spider like, or something. That's like, the other thing is like spider, the number yeah. of times they send like an animal to kill James Bond. <laughs> and you just feel like this was not like a this was not like a good plan, you guys. Like, yeah. like the spider Rolling one, it's nice literally just bad. him. Like he just yeah. sits there until the spider like walks walks off him and then he's like <laughs> it's like the snake is a little more okay i can get it 
but uh yeah. but it's still just like this seems mm-hmm. like a really like ha- i like and it, it obviously gives you like some plausible deniability right but it's like okay, yeah. but he's already like a secret agent and nobody knows he's there like there's so many mm-hmm. times where you could have just sent someone in through the door with a shotgun and it no, would have been more effective mm-hmm. bond will know that they're coming he'll, he'll be sitting he'll be <laughs> sitting in the dark on, on his easy chair with the gun trained on you as soon as you come in the door. See, that's my thing. I, I think he's so used to like the subtle ways of trying to kill him that just like, because he gets caught off guard so many times. <laughs> like there's literally, he'll be like in a hotel yeah. and they point a gun at him. Like this is in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. They're like, you got to right. come with us now. And he's like, okay, I guess I got to come with you now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I always figure that's part of his plan. Like once he's on the new location, he has to like, he has to get in contact with the bad guys to see what they're up to. So I always figure he's like, He's getting intentionally. He's infiltrating. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. yeah, but that's, that's, that's the mistake. That's, the, mistake yeah, yeah. the mistake is the monologuing, right? That's always the that's <laughs> right. the the classic joke about the villains is that they they Which just another, another trope that like I do. I don't know if they like created it. that, but like, well, like, I think it's it, definitely like a mainstay. To I a like certain it. extent, that always makes sense to me because like if you're an evil mastermind, of course you're going to have the megalomania that you need to make sure everybody knows how great you are. Yeah. Like that's you, like, <laughs> that's and like it's a helpful for plot thing. expedition. So yeah. why not? Right. Exactly. Spl- right? <laughs> so Lazenby was the third. No, second. he was the first was the guy second? after Connery. Okay. He yeah. came, he, he was came. The first person. So Connery did four, five, four. So let's get into this. this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe so he did four maybe. or five. Oh no! Five, yeah. He, yeah. Well, he did. He did six yeah. in the end, but the, oh, yeah. Yeah, the I think he did one, seven because he came back years later for yeah. one as well. Yeah, it says seven. It says never say never again in nineteen eighty. Yeah, he did nineteen eighty three, which is very on film. So I don't know what that means. He did seven. Yeah, I guess I didn't think he did that many either because Roger Moore did seven too, and I, everyone says Roger Moore is the most right. Like, so the so most yeah, bonds. okay. I I forgot this. So after after they had Lazenby in there, um, they brought Connery back for one, uh, <laughs> but uh, that, only because they they couldn't didn't or want didn't want to use Lazenby again. So like I guess the, well, and he didn't want to do it. Like, sure. And we should yeah, we should yeah. get into that soon. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, and then later on there is one that is out of continuity, but it's essentially. And people are probably going to hate me saying this. It's essentially a remake of one of his older ones. Um, oh, interesting. Which is Thunderball. The one that was entirely under, like almost entirely underwater. They Whoa. invented like filming techniques for it. And I think Whoa. it was Thunderball. Um, but it was like updated with like 80s technology. So he had like a digital wristwatch and all that sort of stuff. Instead yeah. of like, well, that's was, interesting. I think it was a Seiko and everything. It was, it was hilarious. That's okay. the other thing about like verse. Like if you watch Dr. No. He doesn't have like he has a gun and he has like his little yeah he has a few things that help him out but he does not have like yeah. that is much more of like a down to earth like like realistic yeah. kind of spy thriller where it's like a guy with a gun and a radio gets dropped in and he has to kind of survive on his wits and obviously yeah. that's like the whole thing is Bond is the whole thing is Bond ultimately like the reason so he's good is because he can get deep into trouble and then get out because he's always got like whatever but I feel like if you just watch that first movie, it's such a different experience than watching the other movies. Yeah. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't talk to Q. There's no Q. There's no gadgets. There's just yeah. M being no like, yeah, yeah. 007, you're licensed to kill. You'll carry this bigger gun, like a giant penis and I'll make you do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. He, he just gets a new gun. He like, he has to get a new 
bigger gun. That's all he gets. I thought that but was an interesting way to open a film, too. Yeah. Well, that, no, that's it. Like the, the the gadgets he would have had then would have been yeah, like maybe maybe like something he could strangle someone with, or like to send messages. Like he's the idea of a spy is to gather information and then send it back to totally. superiors, I suppose. Not lost uh, launch wrist rockets at like <laughs> the locals. Intercepts. Intercontinental ballistic missile. But yeah, I do think that was interesting because I always thought the gadgets were a big part of Bond too. And I was probably my starting point for James Bond was actually probably the Pierce Brosnan James Bond. Yeah, Goldeneye. I think that for our age is like. And I always remember each of the Pierce Brosnan movies, there would be a scene with Q where he like gets all his new gadgetry like laid Mm -hmm. down. So that was always big, big Bond stuff for me. So it was like a little surprising. That's like, okay, it doesn't. He's not using any gadgets, or he's not getting any gadgets in these early ones. Well, I, also I think found, those were really made. The Roger Moore ones, I think, really solidified the gadgetry using and stuff. Even so, the, yeah. the later Sean Connery ones, he had a few, but it was yeah. very. It okay. was even Doc. Even like yeah. when I watched Goldfinger, he didn't have a ton of gadgets. It was more about the stuff that gold, the crazy plots that Goldfinger was cooking up. So yeah, right. And it was more like so it was it was more i think that they started to introduce a lot of those tropes like you get your technology and then you've got obviously a car that's being sponsored to like be put in there yeah, and totally. yeah. it's got crazy gadgets yeah, yeah, and then, you know, your wristwatch is like you know the the cool thing i think actually in uh lazenby's car was was paid to put in there that that red one um god i don't even know what it is but it's like it was like an american muscle car or something like that yeah uh, was it it so wasn't the aston was, martin it probably was that as well to be honest they probably had multiple deals yeah. um, well because that used that used the thing the trope of like the thing coming out of the the sort of spinning blades coming out of the wheel and yeah. popping a tire that was like mm. that was the, what he did to diana riggs character yeah. uh on the because they were driving the roads it was sort of that classic like driving the italian the swiss alps or like the the autobahn sequence um and she yeah so yeah, it uh, yeah, the gadgets thing is probably the most interesting because that feels like it came up out of the late 60s early 70s like oh now we've got like gadgets to sell to people and we can tie that into or like gadgets are cool because like there's sort of that gadget that like tech culture was starting to build with like stereos and cars and like all that stuff in the 70s just product tie-ins generally yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's true like i wonder how much like car companies like there's no bigger like ad for your car than a James Bond movie. I wonder how much like those companies put in to sponsor their cars for a Bond movie. But yeah, yeah for, for me, I, I know I got into Bond quite young through the books. A friend of mine was oh. into reading oh, really? all the books okay. and I didn't, oh, I didn't read all of them, material. but I, I definitely read a fair few of them and they were pretty racy for like the age that I was. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so then when the films started being on or I started finding the films on like movie channels and, or whatever or, or on like cable or whatever, um, half the time, you know, the the more saucy or like racier scenes were edited out for TV anyways. Uh, but, true, but, yeah. but, but occasionally they, the were, they were left in or whatever. And so my mom, who also liked James Bond films, would like occasionally watch some of these films with me too and she would always roll her eyes at the, all the playboy antics and whatever that's so but, but we just kind of like you know she was just like oh yeah it's just james bond that's the way it is kind of thing meanwhile i'm like whoa side boob or whatever right? <laughs> yeah. oh my god like my i almost self. saw diana riggs titties like, <laughs> yeah exactly <ooh>. well they didn't <laughs> have actual in them, though, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty wild but uh, then um you know in the 90s or whatever when the whole uh, resurgence thing happened with Pierce Brosnan. 
um, it was like a big deal. It was a huge cultural yeah. thing to like bring it back, mm-hmm. uh, the, the whole rebrand or whatever. Yeah. But all yeah. of those films got like panned. <laughs> like Golden they don't, Eye, I think, was okay, rank, but yeah. Right, right. The with the exception was, of GoldenEye. I think yeah. the difference was GoldenEye also did really, like, because it was coming, bringing James Bond back and you had like the star power of Pierce yeah. Brosnan For and sure. all this stuff. Yeah. It was like, okay, like this was a big event, right? And I think Absolutely. also it did really well at the box office. I'm not sure how well it did critically. But, yeah, I think um, both GoldenEye did well, both critically, like, well, I mean, not, not amazingly critically, but critics like liked it. People were like, this is a good to, like other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's I'm, I'm, I've got the stats pulled up on a, a popular nice, nice, website. Nice. Um, and yeah, it did pretty well. What is it? GoldenEye was uh, 352, I'm guessing million at the time and adjusted for oh, wow. 2005. It's uh, 518 which is pretty pretty decent whereas like dr no pulled in an equivalent of 2005 money which is different to like money that at the time i guess 448 yeah. well uh, that's still a lot of money like no matter what especially yeah. like i wonder what dr no's budget was right like that's always like my thing is like what's the mm-hmm. budget because like every time yeah. like it's I like know we this much money. Well, how much was that? Yeah. Did they make their money back? Because that's what's going to matter to them. So I know really? it was less than eleven million because Honor Majesty's Secret Service was eleven million, and that was thought to be like an exorbitant budget for oh, the time. Okay. Well, and even I think like to me, like what's interesting about like Her Majesty's Secret Service, I think that was the first film where they also even started putting in like you can see they do the sped up the the sped up scenes for the the fight scenes and the the action yeah. scenes uh, like they've sped uh. up the film and they also put in the hits which like none of the connery films had like punches <laughs> punch sounds it would literally just be like them like punching each other and there's no okay. and that's the, the that's wrestling. sort of like where that 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 move that movie making got fine tuned right so that's yeah. very interesting that you say that so matt maybe you can speak to this but um so when george lazenby was like was like um like doing a screen test or whatever for James Bond or doing his what do they call them Inter- not an interview when it's like a audition screen test audition yes yeah, audition that's you. the word I'm looking for thank <laughs> you when he was auditioning he so he first of all he was like a relative unknown he was a model at the time yeah, uh, an underwear yeah. model I think yeah he was like an, Austra- <laughs> an Australian model that like had become very famous like well, in, he, he traveled to I think London. Yeah, so he became a very like popular like uh, UK model, renowned yeah. as the underwear capital of the world. Obviously. Yeah, but he to get this audition, he lied on his resume saying he had done a lot more acting than he had. But he what, doesn't lie on their resume. Yeah, yeah when well, yeah. he told them, he told them that he made he was he, they, when they asked if he would do it, he was like, "Well, I'm on another film. They're paying me five hundred bucks a day," and they were like, "All right, we'll pay you." Okay. <laughs> like. So, and oh. like, but yeah, like just for the audition, they'll pay him. No, th- this was after the audition when they offered. Oh, him okay. But yeah. he also for, for his audition, I think went and collected a suit and watch that were, that had been ordered by Sean Connery himself uh, and wore them to the audition uh, right. to be like, the, I, this is worn know, by Sean Connery. Like, yeah. that, like, like just, just to like have that carryover to be like, like I can, I can pull this look off pretty yeah. easily so yeah. come i can on. fill these shoes yeah that's that's just saying what the thing i was picking up on joe's like literally actually about, yeah <laughs> what you were saying about the um the, the like action scenes that you thought were like a little more they were like making actual contact and like or like weren't pulling punches as much as that he in his audition like they did a fight scene and he, he punched he, a guy in the face yeah he, he punched a stuntman in the face and broke his nose and that was the thing that impressed them was yeah like, cubby broccoli was like wow this guy looks scary when he punches somebody yeah. and like 
and the other thing too was like i think they also said like they wanted someone that was just like very sexually confident and it seems like george lazenby was like extremely <laughs> that which like again, well, living underwear model and like obviously like very good looking very tall uh even compared because i think sean connery is not that tall right like i'm not saying he's like short but yeah lazenby seemed taller but yeah, yeah i just and he has that look of like he has that like he doesn't look like bulky but he looks like a yeah. lean guy who can like yeah shit up yeah it's funny i when watching that all i could think of was clive owen looking at at george lazenby i I see that too yeah i just keep seeing clive owen and i know when they were doing their their next round of selections for the next james bond that eventually went to daniel craig i'm pretty sure clive owen Owen was in the running for sure yeah okay okay but yeah i I couldn't get clive owen out of my head that's interesting. Um, yeah, I well, like how he broke a dude's note on set, and then that's the thing that they want. They're like, <laughs> doesn't that just show that he doesn't know how to like do acting fighting? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> They're like, give us that guy. But they don't care about the stunt people. Completely like, fuck up our as long production. as the, the stunt know, people. Right? Like, like, what the fuck, man? Stunt people. God, when yeah. are they going to get their break? But he's sort of like kind of just like which is kind of a very james bond thing to do is to like fake your way into a, I mean, a, a, a place and like get like get this massive is, like trick people into bond. giving you all this stuff and then suddenly have them all realize that's, you're like not what you say I, you yeah, are i'm actually an imposter yeah. yeah that is very that is very james bond so maybe that factored in as well that's great good for him <laughs> frankly but uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't do a terrible job. And uh, like, like I said, like my whole life, I was led to believe that Lazenby did like the worst job. But um, yeah, a lot of lists that rank the Bond actors put him like the second or worst, second worst I'm or worst. Sure. Dalton for me is like not great. Um, yeah, I, I, he, he was very actiony. He was like no fooling around. James he's Bond. Also, a, just a guy yeah. who has like a villainy, sleazy look. A little bit, yeah, like, yeah. Like he just that's why he's so good Hawkish in like hot features. fuzz. I think, for example, is like yes, instantly yeah. you're like that guy's up to something, and then he that is, smile is just like, and it's just like yeah. I'm a slasher of prices, and they just they play into that. Whereas like I think it's <laughs> Bond, sure. like I can see why they picked him in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. he just is such a villain looking guy. Like him yeah, and Tim Curry. Very, very different movies. Like they 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 were trying totally. something different and it just didn't seem to fit or gel. Yeah. And it's the At biggest least... gap between movies is between Dalton's last one and and so License to Kill and Gold and I had like a six year yeah. gap or something I'm looking yeah. at. Whereas it was like a year or two between every Bond film before. Well, that. Really. And even it was then, six like, years, eh? You're talking about like a Bond film in the sixties with Sean Connery versus like a Bond film in the eighties with Timothy Dalton. Like I don't wonder if Timothy Dalton like hadn't been like 10 years, like born 10 years sooner that he wouldn't have been able to more play that character. <gasps> that's like, that's all, he, that. cause he already had kind of a rep by that point. And he also right, like, right. and again, like it was the eighties and like, there was already, there had already been a bunch of like talk about James Bond being kind of retrograde and like it was, and I think that's why it kind of died and then came back. Um, was because like we went through this era where it was just like this this stuff is lame kind of thing. Wow, right? that's and that's they had funny. To reinvent that's, it. Did you know that um that's one of the reasons why Lazenby didn't come back and make more Bond films? What? He, he they wanted him to do seven more Bond films. And one of the reasons he he didn't want to come back and make more Bond films is because he thought the Bond character was becoming outdated and wasn't oh, going to survive time. the changing times of the 70s. Well, so let's I'm like, oh, yeah. good on you. 
Yeah, yeah let's talk about on, uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service more specifically, like both like Lazenby <laughs> and the film and stuff, because I think like that's a good place. And then we should talk about what he did after, because, okay. yeah, it clearly like I mean, that's the thing is like he was kind of thrown into this movie that was truly like kind of the beginning of like the insanity of of these like huge James Bond films, right? Like this is sort of like by this point, James Bond is as established as like when we got Marvel's Avengers. And I'm going to keep using that as a reference point because I think it is a really good way to sort of like contextualize. That's the greatest Um, cultural touchstone we have. um, It's actually, it's like the movie itself is, is good. I think it's really well shot and it's pretty well balanced as well. Like it's not, it's not a bad film. And Mm -hmm. Lazenby does like a, a, I think a pretty good job in it. Um, I know they like dubbed his voice for certain scenes and stuff. Really? But it's really? probably because he's, yeah. I think when he goes oh. up into the mountain, especially. When he's playing he's like the Scottish noble, noble or whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, right, right. And- yeah. So that, that for me was like, okay, so maybe he's not like a great actor, but like he's, he's still carrying the film, which is, which is great. But like the cinematography in it in, mm-hmm. is, is amazing. Um, oh, yeah. This, this, yeah, it, I thought it, so it's like getting a better rap now than it did in its heyday um for sure there's there's people like christopher nolan have a copy of it like like of like the film copy of it i think for their like personal projection rooms and stuff like that that is such a christopher nolan thing to do yeah um but like it was part of the inspiration for inception i believe like it's like uh, a lot of they have like the ski sequence is like like literally like Uh. clearly he was inspired by that like that and that is a great fucking sequence like it's it's long it's actually quite good yeah it's really it. amazing how like how like modern it still looks like you know you watch those earlier connery films and some of the fight sequences are like all right uh, that was yeah. a 60s fight <laughs> sequence the, but like the dragon, yeah the dragon from dr no which was just like a tank with a flame it's thrower just yeah. <laughs> yeah. It true and there's so many chops and arm flip yeah yeah for sure <laughs> connery flip. definitely and that they definitely brought to the but i do think like also like this is also sort of the beginning of the stuff that really gets parodied in awesome powers. Like you have like, it's not the fembots, but it's like sexy brainwashed oh, yeah. women who are going to kill politicians or whatever. Right. Like that kind yeah. of stuff. Like Infl- society in- is that what was going on there? Yeah. yeah. I, I got to say, I did have trouble piecing together the exposition pieces in these oh, older my Bond God. movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just couldn't figure out, okay, it's like, I know what the overarching theme and what they're trying to accomplish is, but I don't know what this conversation is necessarily talking yeah. about and how it's leading them to the next set piece. It's yeah, very they don't craftily, yeah. yeah, They don't <laughs> well, craftily like, weave it together. Especially like they? the whole thing where it kind of starts as this one movie, which is about him like this rich guy high he quits like he quits which is like clearly they made that choice on purpose to sort of differentiate even like okay that's actually what i want to talk about is like the opening sequence which is a great fucking opening sequence like but it has fight. her in it and yeah. he's obsessed with her and at the end of it he turns to oh, the yeah. camera and he says the other guy never went through this or the no, other guy never had to do this or something this like never that. happened to the other fella yeah. is, is the yeah. one uh, yeah Cause like she just runs away and he was like expecting to like get a kiss or something like that, you know, like and she just kind of like jumps in his car drives it up to her car and then like gets in her that and was, like drives away. And that's okay. like the best part. It's like, she won't steal his car. She just drives um, his car up to the other car and then jumps into her car, which is like such a great little moment in that whole sequence where it's like modern films would never do this because oh, that would just be too much. No, like, like, Come back Joe. But, uh, but you know, I also think sad. like, um, like he will then, return. They have all those cuts oh, where it's like referencing the Joe, other you cut movie. Out. Oh. Yeah. 
Just for like three seconds. Yeah, yeah, you're back. You start back with she drives the her car to or his car to her car. Yeah, she she drives his car to her car, and then she jumps in the other car. And a modern movie would never do that. They just have her drive yeah. off in his car. Yeah, so. it's, but but it's just the fact that it's up. To, it's turning around that whole trope of his entitlement to the female, but then also like also you're like slightly inconvenienced by the fact that she's not having any of this. Mm. <laughs> she's out of there, which yeah. is refreshing actually if you think about it. It totally is, and it's also a clever way to like build tension and then cut to the the credits. Um, right. but like that's the other thing is like they have him say that line about like this never happened to the other fella so you're like that that's also the whole theory whether james bond is one guy or not right like yes. but then so they have him say that and it's like this is where like i think like the difference between james bond and like marvel movies is is like nobody gave a fuck about continuity or like connecting all the films because like they just then later have a scene where he's like looking at all these things from previous movies and they're oh, showing him God. remember all the stuff that happened in all the other movies like there's like the song what? from dr no credits are also interesting because they're very yeah, like that made it's me the think 60s about baby yeah swinging but, oh my god the the opening like i know it's become they've become more lavish and more extravagant with each james bond movie but i think like cinema owes james bond movies for making interesting opening titles because even as far oh, yeah. as like the 90s there were people still doing white text on a black background for opening oh, credits but even oh my like God. hitchcock films had those ty- great title sequences right like, yeah he had great ones too you're right yeah but what yeah about, definitely what about commissioning like uh chart topping fucking hit songs as yes. your as your theme yeah which so, james bond film definitely i don't know if they pioneered it but they definitely fucking uh, yeah they made I a lot of hay off of it yeah well, so they definitely they make their opening titles very they're, they're, they're a production yeah yeah for sure, for sure. that's and, like uh, a staple for sure 100 like every every bond movie is going to have that hit song well not even a hit song but like have a hit artist at least to write a song for sure. it or like take yeah. one from them and use it who, who did the new one Billie Eilish. Uh, oh, Billie Eilish. Right, Billie right, Eilish right, did right. the last one. So nice, I'm sure they're yeah. going to get like, it would be funny if they just went way off the rails and got like Doja Cat to do one. <laughs> uh, like a Gangnam style. Sigh <laughs> <laughs> doing like a Blackpink. Blackpink should do a Bond. <laughs> oh my, that could actually be pretty tight. I would be. And then they could, that would be a great crossover if they had like, Phoebe Waller Bridge and like Daniel Craig dancing with them in the video trying to do K-pop moves. Like I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> she would do it too. She was in that Harry Styles video. Oh, that's true. Yeah. She also played the robot in solo, um, which was interesting. I love that. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of digressing. That. Um, yeah, we're on yeah. a Phoebe Waller Bridge tangent. So podcasts are four. One more yeah, Phoebe Waller Bridge uh, tangent. She is gonna be in the new Indiana Jones movie. Yes. Alongside Harrison Ford. See, this Ford. is another one that they're rebooting. <laughs> yeah. Again, they need to replace Harrison Ford, though. Well, I think they are this time. Yeah. That's know. why they're bringing really? back. I thought they did. The torch. Yeah. Well, they tried to. Oh. Yeah, they set it up that Shia LaBeouf was <laughs> yeah, going to be. They tried to get shy in there for. <laughs> oh, for but a he was too shy. Work well, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny too is then like all i can think of because they had that scene where he's dressed like marlon brando in the wild one and he's driving the bike and all i can think now is when twin peaks had uh 
Michael Sarah do the same thing, but better because he was like Donnie Brando or whatever. And he was like a whole weird side character. And like, that's what I think every time I see that picture of Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he does the opening sequence and then there's like, that's it's, it almost feels like two movies going on where there's like this, this first movie that opens up and it's like, okay, he's chasing after this lady who we find out is like this rich count's daughter um and she owes money to um to blofeld but they kind of just oh, mention that offhand right and then and he's like yeah why. she gets it's like what she it's like almost like a big lebowski but they don't really fully explain it like this rich guy's daughter is like somehow in debt to blofeld but he won't pay it off for some reason or maybe she's just like no, I'm thinking of now. I'm thinking of Goldfinger, but like, there's some kind of connection. Like, it's not a great. It's, hard, it's not though, a great yeah. under. Like, you kind I, of just are I like, okay, whatever. I She's that, kind of like, a wild yeah. child, and this guy wants I James she was Bond. Mostly just like depressed and like kind of over her life as like this heiress because it's not interesting and it's like just just kind of boring for her. So right, she's that makes for, like thrills, and she's I think she's literally about to commit suicide in the ocean somehow. Oh, like, yeah, that's what he did. That's that's what he, that is. Oh, that shit. was the opening sequence. He's trying to because she starts walking into the ocean with all her clothes on, yeah. and he runs so he, in to pull her out. I didn't even make the connection. That was the same girl. But that so that's was good. the thing. That's, thank that you for fitting that puzzle piece together. <laughs> Not only <laughs> that, helpful. but then like, why are these guys chasing her then? If she's trying to kill herself, and then you're like, what is going on? I thought that I was like, just her beach mug mugging. But I thought <laughs> that, that was also... like her, her bodyguards trying to like. I oh, thought he was attacking her. I, I don't know. Like in the logic of the scene, that's where my brain went. Like they're there to save her because they think he's trying to attack her. That and makes then, sense, actually. I, I don't know. It, it, it is very confusing, to be honest. Um, they're there to nice. save her, so she. Can pay up so she can cough up the dough. They could okay. This the Blofeld, Blofeld's yeah, so, henchman. Thank you. So, We're connecting yeah, the dots for that's me. What I don't I know. I'm too. I'm just I'm just putting forth another theory. <laughs> I'll take I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and when so he gets then, kidnapped in the next scene, um, they take him to see the um, uh, the Draco. Guy, like the, uh, yeah, Draco. Like Draco. Yeah, and so that's the, her the dad. That one of the guys that he fought like comes to kidnap him and then take him and then her dad's like. Yeah, I'll give you a million dollars if you marry my daughter or whatever. And it's like um, I like how he's like, I need she needs someone that's gonna dominate her and like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah, all these oh, right. all these like very Gross. like chauvinistic, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's not Bond's the guy for the job, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's got ideas for his daughter, and Bond's the only one that can, I guess achieve yeah. those goals. Well, the best part is then like there's that next scene where they're all at the horse race, the bullfighting. And then, right, and then he has like the teen girl, the like young, the girlfriend that's clearly younger than his daughter. And they have like that weird conversation. And that's like probably one of the best scenes in the whole movie. Cause it feels like it, it feels really real. And like that kind of like where they have kind of this relationship where clearly they've learned to tolerate each other. And like the girlfriend is kind of like understands that she's like, this weird, but she's also like, she's trying not to be a mom, but she's also can't really be a sister. And like, there's kind of that weird, and I think like because they had to like I mean again, uh, you know, uh, Diana Rigg is a great actress, and then this other girl that they have in this one scene is like actually really good as well, and it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. So they just kind of talk about how like her dad is kind of this overbearing figure, and and he he, he kind of, she kind of just needs to like like appease him a little, but also not right. be like not give in to everything he says. So yeah. That was kind of oh man, that was good. And I was gonna say, I was thinking back to that scene. I was like, oh man, 
this might be like the only Bond movie that passes the Bechdel test. No, because they're talking about James Bond. Because they're talking about her and her dad. They're talking about her dad and James Bond, so it doesn't doesn't technically pass the Bechdel test. It's not pass. And there's like a lot of women. This probably has the most most women of any other James Bond movie. Yeah, it totally does. And it does not pass, but yeah. No, I, I don't think you can it expect might, though, to change the movie There are a couple no. scenes where, like, okay, Irma is talking to these other women about, yeah. about like, non... So oh, we right. might technically... Yes, I don't know. Yes, you're right. I have no, to I think you're right. it. So it I don't least, remember like, if they talk back to her, though, so it might not pass. This is the only case where it, like, it even attempts, you know? Yeah. Like, so. yeah. And I mean, none of the new ones do either, I think, except for maybe Skyfall, but yeah. Good question. I don't, I don't know. That'd be good to look into. So They'll yeah, then so then so he he basically like there's like some weird stuff going on and like he like he breaks into this office of this lawyer or whatever the like Swiss Swiss lawyer, of course there's a Swiss oh, which is a good account. scene. That's it's a, a cool scene, scene. yeah, with like the the suitcase with like the fax machine and like the yes. safe tracking devices. Yes. It's like it's like a two in one combo yeah. machine. It gets, <laughs> and this is like probably technology at the time. It's like crazy, but it oh, gets yeah. lifted up like by a construction crane. They're working the lot next door, so it's like it very much feels like a spy movie at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which yeah, is really totally. Cool. It's like instead of just like running around shooting people and sleeping with women, it's like, okay, he's yeah. actually doing some spying, which is like what his job is. So, Well, and it is bit, like a yeah. classic spy sequence in that like he's, he's trying to do it and get the info, but the guy is coming back up to his office at the same time. Right. Right. And also and, there's that guy. So that guy, the blonde, the bleach blonde guy that's in that yeah. sequence also comes back later in the film and then he yes. dies. Yeah. And like, I'm always kind of like, is that like a proto 006 in a way, I th- I he's not really, and I don't know if the novel makes in that, but like it feels like another double O agent kind of like oh. doing that stuff. I don't know. I it's it's just like a, yeah, yeah, just like someone helping him. Like they yeah. obviously like don't work in isolation. They have people they can pull to help, but not necessarily other double O agents, but like yeah handlers i didn't think he was yeah, a double totally. i thought it was like a handler like his like contact should things go right, wrong right, then yeah. he gets back to like yeah yeah, well, yeah. he's the one it's, that it's dies like, it's like ethan hunt yeah. like yeah. in mission possible like has people he like puts on a team sort of thing totally like, people totally, have like yeah. specialty like and a completely different like spy genre film that like you know, yeah the um, tech person the explosives yeah. person the the logistics person the, exactly yeah, yeah. But I like, I just like that. The construction crane person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the guy that hangs outside operator. a construction site. And then <laughs> well, it's funny because he wasn't actually operating the crane, I don't think. He was just like. No, that's right? the other thing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> is this before or after he like resigns from the secret this service? This is all after, but it's sort of implied because okay. then he goes and sees M. Because even the resignation is kind of like that happens. And then he he goes and talks to M and M's like, weren't you supposed to be on vacation or aren't you on like leave or whatever? Right. And it's kind right. of implied that that was all possibly theater without saying it, or at yes. least that he's like, or like the implication of like, you know what you, you once you're a double O agent, once you're that you can never really leave. Um, right. So yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like this film feels like kind of like three film plots kind of stitched together. Yeah. Um, and it's it, not it, even that's, bad. that's what carries it for me, I think. Instead of just being like Dr. No, which is very much like, oh, this is the one story. This is it, it, it flows from one into the other, not not necessarily in a good way, but like it 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 there is a flow to it. So it, it changes locations and which is like a another mm-hmm. staple of the Bond franchises. You gotta go yeah, to multiple totally. like for locations sure. and as exotic as possible. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I th- it just, 
it was really cool like the stuff in the alps like well it, and then like, so i just i totally forgot I wait it. one more thing i used yeah. to love that yeah, no, yeah. the, lo- the mm-hmm. alps stuff i want to get to but he reads the playboy the while he's waiting so in the office just like, just like, or even like just so open gross. like flip book as he's walking down the hall like looking at the like the centerfold well, he spread. literally while like, he's yeah. waiting for the machine to fax it's like he's looking at the centerfold it's like oh <laughs> yeah. god gross oh, I like it. and I like you it. just I like, like kind of swear you've given up on because yeah. this whole movie is kind of about him like almost settling down a little uh, bit yeah yeah and like at the, the same time he's like i think just after that scene or just before it it's like yeah full on like sees sees m and like <laughs> grabs her ass and like yeah grabs money penny's ass oh like yeah. yeah so then yeah but, he then he goes to to um whatever count balthazar de Blowchamp, which is like blofeld's secret name or whatever but this and is they, part of the what was the plot so he was pretending to be this coat of arms dude that has to go there to verify that blofeld is in fact this like heir to the lineage that he claims he is something like that but they also kind of make up they make up a fake nobility for him too like that's kind of the other point is like they draw that coat of arms to make it look like he's got his own family or something ah so that's what that was okay um I, i remember when they brought that out and i wonder if that comes up in skyfall actually because oh, he does oh he that like, might be he interesting because that. that's he well that's that? where they actually say like bond is his actual family name too. oh really right? they yeah because there's like Skyfall? the bond manor and oh, people were mad it. about that i know because oh. i always thought it would have been cool if the bond name was actually just like a code name therefore like it doesn't matter if all these different right. actors yeah. and stuff right. are playing yeah, him because yeah. bond is just a code name Damn it, that makes me angry. And that's also the complex, the weird thing about like the Daniel Craig films is that they're kind of doing that same thing that the Lazenby film tried to do was like a soft reset of continuity. Like, cause yeah. Casino Royale was sort of like the origin story. Yeah, yeah. And they they kind of attempt to like, yeah, do that kind of thing. I don't know. I think mm, it's okay. confusing. Oh well. Well, it seems like it's been over the years, either like capably or less capably handled the way that whoever kind of was handling it wanted to and it doesn't always cobble yeah. together all that well or like con- here's like here's with continuity my personal opinion right. which is that yeah. like comic book continuity actually sucks ass uh like <laughs> i think like it's i think like worst. being a slave to continuity like i think like a good way of putting it is like len ween who like wrote swamp thing and all these books he said like the thing about continuity is your it ties your best writer to your worst writer and mm. I think like that's the thing about modern movies and Marvel movies and the sort of comic book continuity idea taking over movies is like nobody cared when they made these movies if they didn't quite line up. It was even like in Star Trek and shit. Like there were so many like mm. weird continuity errors that like because they were more like, well, what can how can we best tell this story? And exactly. I think that's the which thing is, is actually like, the way me, it should be done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to me it's like again, like we're not looking to, to films as like a, a sort of like a history or a genealogy of like perfection it's like no i want to be emotionally involved in this film and if if a fact that like from a previous film is going to make this film like take me out of this film i'd rather not worry about that to me yeah so, yeah no i agree and i yeah. i think um like pre-recording we were talking about the like fandom or whatever right <clears throat> yeah and people who get all like riled up about things being inconsistent with canon or mm-hmm. whatever ultimately that's kind of it's just counterproductive because all it's going to do is just narrow and narrow and narrow and narrow down 
like the universe only shrinks if that's yeah, your totally. logic right 100 yeah you can't expand it or, or if you do expand yeah. it it has to be through some i think, I think logical the final leap. yeah i very much agree with that and i think what we're seeing is the final end result of that um that thinking is like the star wars movies where you just can't make a star wars movie that's going to please like anybody anybody because it's like and, and you're you have fucking to... up continuity or you're like and then you, you have to make a skywalker movie like you can, yes, you can yes, take yes, other characters yes, and make like the Mandalorian so. or the, yes. the clone wars or something and that's yes fine, the but... skywalker saga got all like you, can could, only... you couldn't make something that would be you could only please like 25 percent of your audience basically it can only be adjacent you can't really do anything with those past um, and, yeah. and like again like they yeah. had to spend so much time in like rise of the skywalker or whatever like like basically like being like yeah everything that they did in in the last jedi doesn't matter like they had to spend so much time on that in the screenplay that it kind of just like made that movie bloated and, and yeah. even worse right whereas they just yeah. kind of yeah. were like well let's go for it then it probably wouldn't have been as big like i mean yeah. people would have still complained but but yeah, always going to complain. That's what people do. That's why I think that's why I love anthology series so much more because it's like you get like a one shot like every episode, and it's like so you don't have to worry about anything. It's a very good point, Craig. Well, and to discrete, me, that's why a discrete unit. Yeah, yeah, and that's why the James Bond films are successful in that sense, right? Like they are sort of anthology movies in a way. Yeah, like they don't have to stack up perfectly. Yes, um, absolutely. But yeah, let's they work much better that in that um, in that configuration mm -hmm. yeah. for sure. And I think like going back to this one, like probably one of the best Bond villains of all time, Telly Savalas as Blofeld is just like, I love Amazing. Telly Savalas. I'll watch anything the with him in it. The way he held his cigarette, was it like oh in between? Yeah, like, like this, like this or <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's such a, was, like, was, oh man, I love him. Very he's just refined so, technique. He, he plays like, he so like plays like weirdos every, like there's just a weirdness to him that he brings to characters and he doesn't feel like a Bond villain. Like he feels like, like a, he actually does feel like a psychologist in a way that he sort of yeah. just like kind of watches everything. And like, I don't know, I just, but he looks so damn evil. Like there's a picture of him on the Wikipedia page in that, like the, 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 the like the, the peacoat with the, the wool things and everything. And it's just like, damn he like looks like an evil dude he looks so good and and then he has this whole plot where he's like brainwashing women to like to like you know bacteria warfare against like politicians with like the german lady uh and that and and like again it becomes like almost this like I think it works because mentally it's like this like temptation for James of like away from this woman he's sort of falling in love with or whatever. Like this whole movie is kind mm -hmm. of about like James Bond <laughs> choosing between the bachelor depends, life and settling down. Like at least four girls in this movie, I think. And, yeah, yeah, and like it's all in like part of the job, but it's also yeah. like, didn't you kind of just like, isn't, aren't they kind of implying that you're falling in love with this girl? He like, does. So I love how he makes a joke about it too. He does. At one point, he makes a comment to like one of the like people like working in that facility. And he's just like, "And work is piling up because he's just like <laughs> making all these dates with like the, Jesus the like bacteria girls." The bacteria <laughs> girls. Oh my god! But like again, speaking of the cinematography, Matt, like you said, like those scenes with like the hypnotism stuff, like oh, look god, amazing. Yeah. They're so mm -hmm. good. I was like looking at that, and I was like, they definitely used this shot for the trailer. I was like, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the best shot films. I think there's one of the, 
recent ones as well. There was like a nice scene with Daniel Craig fighting a villain like in this high rise building. There's like neon flashing in the background and it's just like them in silhouette. And I was like, that's really cool. But yeah, rest Roger of the film Deacons, okay. baby. Roger, best mm. cinematographer in Hollywood, in my opinion. Oh, I did. Yeah, me yeah. too. For sh- I didn't even know he did a James Bond movie. That's, well, that's why he saw. He that's why the Coen brothers had to get other cinematographers because Roger Deakins was hired to do uh, the James Bond movies. Yeah, that's why okay. they started working with like Bruno. Deakins was his name and stuff. Yeah, R. Deakins is a freak. He's yeah. he's amazing. He's love he's that so dude. Good. But this this movie, I and and for me, like I'm not like huge into like cinematography, but like I can tell if something doesn't look right, like. I, I don't, I haven't studied it. Um, I do consider myself an amateur photographer and just working in comics and stuff like uh, having good composition is like really important to me. So like seeing this Mm -hmm. film, it's like, this is really well shot. It's really well like made in that sense, at least. Mm -hmm. Well, even Um, like, and like you said, like, it's not only like just the lighting, it's like the, the cut, the, 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 the shooting of it. It was, it mm -hmm. the scenes was clearly a director that knew how to shoot action sequences. Yeah, like, there are a couple other James Bond films where it's like, okay, you kind of save this in editing. Like you had some yeah. good bits, but it doesn't quite. Or like, especially like when they start, like anytime there's an animal, or like like sharks or like snakes, it's like clear that they had to stitch this footage together, and they could only get their sharks to do so much or whatever. Sure. Yeah. But like this whole film, just like everything cuts together so nicely, and it's not surprising to me that Christopher Nolan looks at this movie because he's also one of those ones that sort of like um i think people complain about some of his action sequences and like he definitely learned a lot from doing like inception but like i think that especially that last sequence like the snow mountain chase is like very well mm-hmm. done overall in into the bobsled like, fight yeah. is yeah. oh gosh that bobsled scene where i was like whoa there's it's actually getting some shit that looks really hard to film. Well, in this, this was like, was just there like, some kind of tie-in with the Winter Olympics or something? That's what like, I thought, and then I, I felt, went back and I, yeah. yeah, I looked to see if, like, Switzerland had uh, an Olympics or something around that year, and no, they did not. I mean, they definitely, like, like, they've got, like, the, the Olympic symbol on their uniforms. Yeah, I thought for then, sure there was an Olympic And then again, like, they're like, how many winter sport action sequences can we get in here? <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um like the other thing that actually really got me because it was supposed to be was it supposed to be in switzerland was it switzerland yes. it was in the alps I'm okay because sure yeah. i thought it specifically was, it was switzerland it, is. it was shot in switzerland for sure i don't know if it was yeah. the set there no no it is because it's the swiss alps piz gloria is in the swiss alps okay right. so so this is a little sidebar like i i had we had swish la not too long ago here <laughs> Sometimes we order it in, and I always make the joke, and it's just like, "You are Swiss- from Toronto, originally. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly." And so it's like, "No Westerner the- eats Swiss chalet." But I always make the point when we eat it, it's like, "Ah, the finest Swiss cuisine." <laughs> I can just picture the Swiss eating rotisserie chicken and like French fries, and it's like, yeah. and in this movie, in at the chalet, they are eating rotisserie chicken. Amazing. And I was like, and not only that, the girl is like gorging on it like eating it right in his face and i was like and then you find out she needs to be hypnotized because she's afraid of chickens and like yeah amazing well that's the thing this whole that just did it for me that whole the whole sequence where he's in this like weird like angels of death like like psychological facility is just like such a different crazy movie but somehow it all works and it's like some of the best parts of the movie like even like the 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 scene where he escapes on the gondola cable is like great like it's one of the finest like quiet action sequences in the movie um Mm -hmm. but just yeah and then and then he goes he does the whole ski sequence which again is like 
there's like so many so many things happen in that sequence like he loses a ski he breaks he's skiing <laughs> on one cool. ski he like he stops and like almost falls off the cliff and sees the village and then he like kills the two really guys with the ski. yes this, and <laughs> then he like he's like yeah. choking the guy with the ski too like i don't know like yeah do you guys have any thoughts on this sequence because it just like blew my mind yeah 100 times. i love it i loved the um there's a, there's a scene where they he makes a they make a quick dodge pass by a, a some kind of snow machine that is yes. like okay. t- tearing up like all this snow oh, yeah. like and one of the one of the henchmen that's coming after them doesn't make it and slides in <laughs> under the and snow machine. The grooming yeah. machine. Yeah. This gets eviscerated. Like, gets groomed into the mountain. And it's so, that's like the only thing that was completely yeah. out of place, but that's like but, referenced in Austin Powers. It is. Yes. That's yeah. stuff like that. And then he has a great quip after, which I didn't even think was that like, wasn't even a great pun for what happened to the guy. It was just like, I think Bond just goes, he had guts. <laughs> well, this is again, like Matt and that I were talking good. about this, how, this movie is is like basically the blueprint for Austin Powers. Like obviously the other movies factor yeah. in too, but like he mm. wears the cravat when he's pretending to be the, mm. the like the genealogy rich guy. <laughs> I didn't even make and that connection Blofeld too. That is looks, yeah. Right at the at the start, he's wearing that frilly shirt as well, yes. which is like the Austin yeah. Powers yes. shirt yes. and stuff like that. Very um, true. And I think this is starting to get into the reasons why people consider it like not a great film because like he he was a bit of a dick on set, so like people like they dress him up in like. Yeah, this <laughs> shitty looking shirt and stuff to make him look like an idiot. Amazing. Uh, I mean, yeah, stuff that... like that. Like, <laughs> well, costume kind of choices. I mean, on one hand, like he clearly, like they, I think they kept saying, like, no, he was really good in the film. He was just like a difficult to work with, which again is complicated. But like, yeah. it also just seems like nobody liked him on this movie. Like, nobody really? wanted hmm. to work with him. And like, that's the thing is, like, I don't know if that was like all like sort of like them like making a big deal out of it after because he quit because like Mm. but it's also you see like maybe how he would be like oh my god this is just like like action filmmaking is not fun for actors like like to the unless you're really into the stunt part of it and you're into like 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 i think like sarah michelle geller was a good example of someone who really was into this doing a bunch of her own stunt work and sort of like or like Tom yeah. Cruise or some shit. Yeah. I think yeah. I think Timothy Dalton was the only one that really did a lot of his own stunt work of the bonds. But actually maybe Daniel Craig now, but yeah. Yeah. Um and then uh, I know he he was upset that they weren't like listening to his like his comments about the character and stuff and that type of thing. Um so like he had he had like ideas about like how Bond would react and they're like no, he wouldn't do that sort of thing. Um <laughs> This yeah, isn't an a, underwear advert. Sorry, buddy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to selling uh, so fries, then, chocolate. <laughs> so it's very much, very much like an Avengers movie in that way. It's like you're there to play a character, and if you if you don't want to do that, then like there's a door. We'll find like, another. We yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like yeah. You have a director already, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine so like you, coming up. Yeah. Sorry. You're gonna do you? what you're told, and then like that. That's that's all you're here to do. Like you know, yeah. you're a pretty face, and you punch people. That's what we want you for. Yeah. And, so and then you could see how coming off underwear modeling, he might think this now a bit more demanding, maybe. But yeah. Well, and yeah. the other side, being received in the industry, like on set, amongst the crew, amongst the other actors, amongst like you know the directors, etc. Um, how sure you're in there, and that's your role. Sorry, guys. I think I uh, I dropped out there. That's all right. Um, so like even being accepted on set, you know, there's like a pretty rigid 
hierarchy in film, right? For, you know, like love it or hate it or whatever, or in between, but it exists. And when you kind of skip the, to the front of the queue and are the lead coming from underwear um, modeling or whatever, there's going to be some resentment that is probably going to be palpable. And, you know, people on set in the crew or whatever are going to have a certain amount of respect for like the, you know, the DOP or the director or like yeah, first AD or whatever. But this like this outsider coming in and like trying to trying to give notes on the direction for this character for the lead like nobody like stay in your lane I think <laughs> like seriously I, I think like i will also mm -hmm. i i've i've been on both sides of this equation and sometimes it's just like being the person who's coming in new you you want to help and you're trying to help as best you can but you don't realize how you're not necessarily being helpful when you do that stuff but you think sure. it might be helpful whereas well, you like want to do a good job is the other thing mm -hmm. and you want to make it your own is, is the, mm -hmm. the second um so like to come come in and like not give orders but like kind of be like this is what i think would work and like if that counter countermands or counteracts like something that someone who's been in that position has said it's like who who is this person who do they totally. think they are yeah totally. i think and again i've been on the other side of it where it's like dude i really don't have time for this right now like i'm just trying to set this light up like that's my job right now and like i if, if, if i stop to explain this to you like i will get fired or whatever or not even fired but like people will see think i'm slacking like i've right. been there right yeah well it, 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 i think it varies too it depends on the set on the kind of vibe you know if it's an open kind of collaborative vibe or if it's very kind of the rigid and it depends on how the culture is kind of fostered on depending on what the target True, yeah. is too right it might be embraced more or welcomed but it's less likely to be welcomed if you're coming in and you don't really have um you're not really being seen as somebody who's like cut your teeth or like earned your way in Mm -hmm. and yeah then it's well, like oh even, okay now you want to try and be like what you want a producer credit like fuck you buddy <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about hollywood's a very welcoming friendly yeah, totally. place it's very welcoming and open nobody has any nobody has any uh especially, sort of like especially people in, with little experience yeah. in, inadequacies or feels like they have to defend their position or that they might get fired next week for no reason other than oh, something totally. random uh but i think very like, egalitarian too, space generally. like i don't i i i just look at this and i see like something that could have been like a, a a resolution brought to a resolution was just like both sides were kind of being like well this fucking idiot doesn't know what the fuck they're doing like shut the fuck up and it just built yeah. this resentment that like widened the gap right and it feels like he was also just sort of the the one that everyone was like man fuck this fucking guy like he's fucking ruining this and like yeah. he must so have that, obviously that came like, from the top right yeah and like it that, and that it's, yeah and it's like then you're the guy that has to like there's two reactions to that. Either you can kind of take your lumps and be the fucking scapegoat and know that like once you're through this, people will at least have like a grudging respect for you. Or like, yeah, sometimes it's just easier to become like the martyr and be like, fuck you, I'm doing everything right and you guys are still fucking mad at me, right? So, yeah. So I can't remember if it was Saltzman or Broccoli who's the one that like took exception to him, but like it was probably both, to be honest. Um, they, they just didn't like him in general uh, especially after the film came out because like for the for the premiere of the film uh 
uh, Lazenby turned up um, with like a full beard, like yeah. uh, looking looking like a hobo almost. Um, and and this, was the, have a this was the seventies, exactly. Like, and that's what they said. Like, they said, you know, yeah. wow. Bond doesn't have a beard. A beard, because um, he got really into counterculture and stuff, like uh, yeah. during and after the film. Oh, um, yeah. Because oh, okay. it does seem like he had some good takes on the set, at least on why he maybe didn't want to carry on the role. But yeah. Well, even yeah. like Diana Rigg has this quote, and she's like. Uh, so the role made Sean Connery a millionaire. Uh, I true, I truly don't a know. Millionaire, a millionaire, <laughs> darling. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I truly don't know what's happening in George's mind, so I can only speak my reaction. I think it's a pretty foolish move. I think if he can bear to do an apprenticeship, which everybody in this business has to do, has mm. to do, then mm. he should do it quietly and with humility. Everybody mm. has to do it. There are a few instant successes in the film business, and the instant successes one usually associates with somebody who is willing to learn anyway and then later she said i can no longer cater to his obsession to, with for his obsession with himself he is utterly unbelievable bloody impossible like <laughs> bloody I, just impossible. like for your co-star like again like yeah. for like especially like someone like diana rigg who's like obviously clearly like that kind of professional right who is just like just get through the scene like this is a job like we're here to do a thing like you have to act professional like it may not be perfect and i'm sure she was going through her own shit being like a woman in bond films in like the of 70s course, yeah but like, like for someone to come out and say that to the press, like you have to piss them off pretty bad, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Clashed, it seems. Yeah. I really like the, and I don't know the full roster for, um, in, uh, in Her Majesty's Secret Service, but the villains, I think for me are even more, and we already touched on villains, obviously a little yeah. bit but villains in general and the actors, the performances from actors over, over the whole like oeuvre of Bond films um, is stands out to me as being like one of the greater accomplishments in, um, in film and yeah. just some of the amazing stars that have, have kind of played these villains, mm -hmm. uh, some of the performances, even just some of like, obviously casting is great, but some of the writing, behind some of it. I mean, some of it's pretty terrible too, but a lot of it is just utterly sublime from my perspective, especially coming from, um, you know, reading a few of the books and what I imagined some of those characters to be versus then seeing them in films and then some of my favorites and um, in Her Majesty's Secret Service. Well, it's um, almost the more, the juicier one of the role. better ones. Like again, oh, like, yeah. oh, for sure. Absolutely. I, think, I think actors will, will more so a lot of times maybe clamor to play the villain, especially if it's an actor that's like been around for a while and maybe like wants to like not get typecast or like try something new, then like, yeah, those are juicy roles and like yeah. give you a chance to really like express something that maybe you haven't shown or shown a side of yourself that you haven't shown before. The the one thing that always is like you, like I did, I kind of forgot about until I started watching the bond movies was the, the, the disabilities I, or like whatever, like, like some sort of like physical right. quote unquote, right. like, like damage or whatever. Like I sure. forgot that was kind of a yeah. recurring theme with yes. bond villains. True. Um, and like I kind of noticed and I think it's been pointed out and it's and the, the like sort of like the the complexity of that both of being like sort of like in a weird way sort of victims of British imperialism and wearing the scars from that but also mm -hmm. sort of then like using like 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 disability or whatever as like a or like like physical ugliness or physical like imperfection right. as a short yeah. for villains too right? definitely right. So, and that's the thing because a lot of the times you don't even see, well, I, I guess, Under Majesty's Secret Service isn't 
you do see Blofeld kind of when you first meet him, but a lot of times you don't see the Bond villain's face until like, yeah. like almost two thirds of the way through the movie. And yeah, right. like, that's the whole thing that like, I was th- kept thinking about inspector gadget watching these old yes. ones and how Dr. Claw is an amalgam of all these different yes. Bond villains. Like, yeah, but Absolutely. yeah, that's cool. Actually, that, that's a good point. Cause uh, you know, he get, obviously we're going to spoil the film ending for you now, but uh, Blofeld <laughs> ah, gets okay. his like neck broken or something. <laughs> yeah, at, at yeah. That's a good end. Uh, and then I, I guess they kind of skipped over dealing with the aftermath of this movie in the follow-up with uh, the Connery's next one uh, and last, well, second last one. But then I think when Moore came back, for, well, started with his first one, the opening scene is him like blowing up Blofeld in this like wheelchair or something. Is that right. Like, <laughs> no, no, yeah. misremembering. Well, and this is like a repeat, another repeated thing. So yeah, the, the Bond movie where he comes back, it's like Blofeld is about to get surgery or something to look, or like, <laughs> oh no, you you think he's getting surgery to look like a different person. And then Bond comes in and he's in that mud bath and then he drowns him in the mud bath. And then Blofeld comes in and is like, yes, you just were about to, you killed my body double. And that's like the last time, but he was, Blofeld has been by more actors than, than Bond has. Yeah. Oh, like really? Donald Pleasance played him. Max von Sydow played him. A bunch of different um, actors have played him over like a half years. dozen or something. Um, and oh, he, no, does, like, he is the guy that keeps getting like physically like marred by James Bond and coming back more and worse mm-hmm. in each film. So yeah, that's hilarious. The- There's actually one of the more films. The villain in it is um, Scaramanda or something like that. And I uh, can't remember what the name is, but like it's this guy that lives on the man of the golden gun is the the (laughs) film anyway. And I I couldn't figure out who this actor was. I was like, who is it? I know this person. Um, it it was, yeah, it was Christopher Lee. Oh, really? Uh, Nice. Very young, very like when he still had like full black hair, like must've just Mm -hmm. not finished killing Nazis. Right. Like, yeah. (laughs) Right. And he he was a spy apparently. Like he was like, yeah, he was part of the like Christopher the Lee was so hardcore around Europe, like hunting down rogue Nazis after World War II and stuff like that. Which is nuts. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah we gotta do an episode on Christopher Lee. Nipple. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so this film, also the ending. I really speaking of like like killing people, like this film yes. has like the darkest ending of any Bond movie, for sure. I think yeah. like, I mean overall, like it's literally ends like like the bond girl gets they get married and she gets yeah, shot gets and the married. credits roll over the bullet hole in the car <laughs> yeah. window like, it's like shit man and he's Damn. like there was time we had all the yeah. time in the world and he's crying <laughs> and you're just like what the fuck and this is another reason they didn't like him because like in the end like he's meant to be the stoic man who could just like deal with anything because he he has no feelings ever um and he's he's sitting there like craving this woman he just married and is rightly upset that she just been murdered by his arch nemesis. Yeah, like, totally. They're like, you know what? You would be, you'd be out of the car chasing them. That's what you should be doing. He's just like kind of creeping her head, just being like, yeah, we have yeah. time. And I think, I think he sneaks in like it's a little secret tear at one point. I, I keep looking for it every mm. time I watch, but like, I can mm. never find it. I didn't look close enough. Yeah. But he does, he does it as a single tear and they're like, Bond doesn't cry. He never he needs too much right. for a man to cry. Stiff well, that's also taken to the, the yeah. worst kind of extreme in the Roger Moore movies, where it's like in Live and Let Die, like he makes love to this woman, threatens her life, and then she runs off and dies, and he's like, Oh, that's a terrible shame. And the next scene he hooks up with another woman. Like that's just <laughs> uh, like even okay, Casino so, Royale. Like at the start oh, of yeah, that she movie, does. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. Giving him information. He's like, Oh, that's a shame. Like, like, huh. Transaction completed. 
<laughs> another female. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I, I, again, like, I think definitely this is like definitely one that people should watch. If they, even if you don't want to watch a bunch of Bond movies, like watching this one is interesting knowing the sort of like what Bond is thought of versus like what this movie is. Even like when you, this, this compared to some of the modern Bond films is less awful in a way. In certain ways, not always. He does. I think he slaps a woman in the face in this one too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he, her dad, her dad punches her in the face later. Right. Oh, yeah. God. Cool. yeah. <laughs> it's oh. so we should put a trigger warning at the start of this one about like violence. Yeah, we should. Women, Actually, yeah. There's a few instances. I'm, I'm like getting cringy even like just remembering it's, it. It's like I mean, yeah, yeah. That I, was such a trope though, like slapping yeah. some sense into your hysterical like wife yeah. or something. Like, but oh my god, yeah. What was that show? Honeymooners? Yeah. Well, yeah. But I guess he, didn't, was... he, didn't, he never actually hit her in Honeymooners. He always no, he just implied It was always just the threat. Yeah, implied, <laughs> implied threat of the And people thought it, and it was, that was the comedy of the show. So, yeah. yeah. We should, um, but yeah, I think like, again, like this, so he finishes this movie and he quits. And like, that's kind of what's fascinating to me is all the stuff that happened after too. What did happen after? Back to undies. Matt, do you want to... <laughs> right. Back to undies. Back to the undie well, gang. Uh, not even. Gains <laughs> his way. Well, he, he, kind of, he kind of goes off the rails for a few years. Um, I don't well, think he, he returns to like film for like a while. Yeah. Um, he, I think he comes back to Australia even. Um, he does, not that he goes off the rails. He just kind of like retreats from, from everything. Well, back I think he counterculture. I think like knowing <laughs> Albert Broccoli, like, like this is a guy that was like kind of implicated in beating the creator of the three stooges to death like or he, got into, well, he got into a, so him there's like this whole thing where like not back in the 30s broccoli. no no uh okay, broccoli okay. not lazy okay. sorry no. i was like i didn't know that there's a whole thing where in the 30s like the creator of the three stooges who was also like a very like like alcoholic and died like when they died he they were like yeah his his kidney was about to go like right, um right but there was sort of some kind of altercation between uh, Broccoli and then another actor and then another director and this guy at a bar in Hollywood and the, the fixers for MGM studios got involved. Like these are people who have like covered up like murders and abortions and stuff like that. Like the guy from hail Caesar was involved. Um, And uh, so he's kind of come like he said multiple things he said i didn't do any i I wasn't even there then later he said yeah i was there like we had to do a fight and i maybe shoved him or punched him once but like we didn't ever have a real fight and like and the 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 coroner ruled that the guy died of like liver failure or kidney failure or something like that but like again like once it's like hollywood in the 30s so like i just see albert broccoli as like kind of a psycho Mm, um and i wouldn't be surprised if like if Albert Broccoli is like, yeah, this guy's hard to work with. Don't work with him. Like all of a sudden it's just like doors are closed for you. Right. Yeah. So. Right. He was the, he was the, what's his name? Who's the Miramax guy? You know. Oh, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. He was the Harvey Weinstein of his day. <laughs> I don't think Only he was that. This. I don't think he was like a, 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 an abuser or like an assaulter. I think he was just very like, like vindictive for sure and, right, and right. had a short temper or maybe he was i don't right. know like i haven't looked they never it, proved so. that he murdered the three stooges guy yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah i think like lazenby it was a combination of like a he was already bond so he had a reputation but also i think like because he came off this and a bunch of people said he was like no good like then a bunch of other people wouldn't work with him you know i don't know 
Right. Well, I think he, he made a film the following year, um, which didn't do too well. And it was like kind of like an anti-Bond movie, in fact. Um, oh, interesting. It, had, it was like anti-guns and stuff. Um, and it just, it just didn't do too well. So I think like he didn't mm. kind of rebound after that. And I think it was, jeez. Oh, oh, he was in the he original went... Universal Soldier. Yeah, but what? 1971. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But cool. Not the same movie. The... Uh, no, yeah. it's like a different thing. Game entirely. of Death? Game of Death with Bruce Lee? Yeah. Yeah. He, well, that's what he ended up doing was he, he was, he, he, like, it says he took out an ad to no. get work. And then he, um, as you do, as you do <laughs> normally in Hollywood. And eventually he kind of like ended up doing about like moving to Hong Kong and doing a bunch of Hong Kong action films because that was mm-hmm. the only work he could get. Okay. Interesting. Breaking stuntman's noses in Hong Kong. Uh, he came back to Australia though to like film some other stuff. Like he went back to ads for a time, um, shooting ads for yeah. cigarette companies and, uh, and that type well, of thing. But uh, he, he could be a good Marlboro man. Maybe he was the Marlboro man. Well, I don't Benson think and Hedges. I don't know if that's anywhere uh, else except oh, yeah. Australia. Is that? It's no, in, it was in England as well. I've so heard, funny. Yeah. I always associate Benson and Hedges with this fireworks show that used to go on in Ontario because <laughs> they sponsored it. And I would also, yeah, I would just always be sponsored by Benson and Hedges. So I was like, that's hilarious. This is another fireworks. weird thing of the Bond series, like cigarette. It's the brand I used to smoke when I was like 15. Oh, really? so. <laughs> Did Bond, Bond does smoke. Yes. Does the Daniel Craig Bond smoke still? Don't know. I can't yeah, remember. I can't, I can't think of him smoking in any of the movies. There's pretty but... strong like rules about whether or not someone can smoke in a film. Like I don't know yeah, that you can now get there like, is, yeah. a PG-13 rating with the smoker. So yeah, you're, you uh, might be. Yeah, right. that's true. But, uh, if you're gonna smoke anywhere, it would be in a casino. So we should probably know if the Daniel Craig Bond is right. a smoker yeah. or not. We should check. Um, but I think so. He sort of just had like what a lot of actors go through, which is like having to take whatever comes along right like i think which must have been hard after doing bond and kind of being this whole thing definitely a great second banana for a bond actor yeah because he's kind of got the for really no reason he's got besides maybe like less frequency than the other actors he got basically like tarred with the worst bond well, that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah totally. really, you know, it wasn't on merit in terms of his performance per se. It was just that he was less famous, less notable, less out there, less of a household name. I, I would say he's almost famous for being a bad Bond. Like, right. yeah, that's, totally. that's like his his legacy. But like, it really shouldn't be because his the movie he made as Bond was actually kind of decent. Right. It and was and really I thought good. so yeah. too. Yeah. And it I, didn't suffer his performance. His performance was fine. It just wasn't what people wanted at the time, I think. Right. Yeah, and that's like nineteen sixty-nine. Like that it kind of because yeah, like you said, he kind of became a hippie afterwards. Like he would like tell the press about doing drugs, like LSD and marijuana. Um, (laughs) he like, you know, like he he was like, Oh, I don't like materialism. Like he was kind of like a hippie guy. And um, and like and that was sort of like the culture clash then, especially right at the like nineteen sixty-nine was where it was sort of like an actor could do that and get some bad press, but still be like, not be totally blacklisted, but it feels yeah. like that didn't help him at the time. Didn't seem like it. The, the thing that like, I find funny is like, people like refer to themselves. I'm like, I'm the, I'm the Lazenby of this or like right. something like that. Um, I think uh, there's a quote from um, uh, McGann, Doctor Who guy. Um, he's like, I'm the, I'm the Lazenby of the Doctor Who franchise uh, or something <laughs> like that. Um, but that's, I can't remember where I read that. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of 
<laughs> it's a little hard to give him that worst bond when I think he only did one movie. But that's it, right? Like it's, I feel like I feel like Moore has worse movies in yeah. his whole run. Like and it, he just I, did more. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I've only seen one of the Roger Moore ones, but at the same time, for me, Roger Moore is like when I picture a James Bond in my head, he would be the least James Bond visually and like just in terms of like his interactions. He kind but... of became like in a way like the only other guy that could do the role. Like I think like he's like again yeah. like usually the lists go like Connery, then Moore, then and then it's just like a random order of like whatever think, people's personal preferences are. I think are. a lot of people have warmed to Daniel Craig over the years. Well, I too. think Craig I, also I actually, represents. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Matt. I was gonna say, he's he's probably one of my favorites. If I'm yeah, honest. I like, like Daniel Craig too now. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, Brosnan, Brosnan was my entryway into the Bond yep. cinematic universe. Same. Well, and to uh, me, Brosnan <laughs> splits the difference between yes, Connery yes, and Moore. Like, he's kind of so. rough and tumble, but he still has that, like, that posh kind quirky, of air to yeah, him. And he's yeah. also very suave, which I think, like, but he had, but you feel like he's not, like, like, I think the thing about Moore is he just feels kind of like, I have nothing in common with this guy. Like I couldn't have a beer yeah. with this guy. Whereas like yeah. Connery, you're like, this yeah. guy's probably going to get drunk and punch me. And then like <laughs> Brosnan, it's like, okay, well this guy's cool yeah. and he's sexy and mysterious and like very sort yeah. of like sophisticated, but I, he would totally just like chill with you in a bar and have a drink and take his tie off. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even count the Dalton ones as like continuity, but like, I guess they are in a sense, but like, I think they were more American productions because I think, were they both set in America? Oh god, I can't even remember. Well, the A View to Kill is like the cover is the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, right. there you so, go. So yeah. like they've just like taken Bond out of like the UK where like he's meant to be set and then like yeah. stick him like in, in America, right. which is like it's like the McGann movies, uh Doctor Who movie is like an American production. That's so um, funny. Oh, really? Instead of like a British one. So well, it's there like was it doesn't that time fit. period where like it was like if you were making a movie with American money. And it was going to be for America. It was like, you have to set this in America. Like American yeah. audiences don't want to watch a movie yeah. that's about Britain. Yeah. You know how many of us have passports? Yeah. <laughs> but then a lot of the more movies did end up going to America for a lot of things. Um, and this is the thing that like made me realize that the more movies were the worst ones is that there's this like this cop, this like backwards, like. Yes. Tobacco. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought this character up. I'm so he, glad you brought it up. He comes back as like a tourist in like uh, different movies and like that, kind of ends uh, up playing Clifton, like a bit of a What's his name? Uh, are you talking about oh, from Live and Let Die? Probably. Uh, and he's like in Southeast Asia somewhere and he's like, oh, hey, hey, Bond, Bond. Yeah. And like shouting from the pier or something yeah. as he's in a boat race. Are you talking about the cop like, from Live and Let Die? Um, the the racist so sheriff? Yes, that guy. Yes. Yeah, that's Clifton James. He's like been. A, he's like a classic, yeah. like, like, like uh, Southern guy bumpkin, in movie. Bumpkin uh, character. Okay. Yeah, like, and because, that's like, like. I'm sorry to anyone who's like listening and is like that guy's great. I fucking hated that guy. <laughs> no, no, I think like he's he's he he looks he the reason he got all those roles is because he looks like a racist Southern guy, like <laughs> he and looks like, like a John Q America. They they even just play him as like oh well none of the other characters can be that bad because this guy is just straight racist <laughs> like that whole scene where he like pulls the even that and they 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 have him keep like like it's like he's not even a one note joke they they bring him through that whole boat yeah. action sequence and live and let die and you're like why is this guy in the movie except to make the rest of the white people look less racist yeah <laughs> sometimes sometimes that's all you need is yeah a magnate no and that's the other thing about the more movies matt like you were saying like they 
they're the ones with the most like bad comedy in them too. Yes. Like yeah. that is like the stuff that Austin Powers parodies yeah. the most. Like even the quips in the Lazenby movies, they kind of like they're just kind of offhand and like Sean Connery. Like, yeah. yeah. Whereas like the shot, the, the, the more ones, they, they'll like literally cut to him and like, he'll look at the camera and like ham the Wink, line. And then like, and, like yeah. you're just like, dude, shut the fuck up. And get back. <laughs> and especially on, after yeah, he, like, he like, he yeah. like makes a guy crash and his car explodes. And he's like, that guy was caught up. It's like, you just killed a guy. Like that's not like, <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, the sense that mm-hmm. I got from the more movies, like they, they, and they didn't quite feel like as, as big, like going back and watching Dr. No and, and on her Majesty's secret service, they still felt like these were like big budget kind of big movies for the time. Right. But watching like the, the Michael or the Roger Moore ones, I feel more like, like there's not scaled down, but they like, they didn't feel like they were as big productions. The fight scenes didn't seem like they were really done up well. The, like I was never really kind of like gripping my seat or being like but as interested. So I felt bloated. as I was. Like that's what I found. Yeah. It was like, and maybe that's why they felt like more like they were TV like, productions or something. Yeah. And how many times it like in literally like live and let die. He like gets caught and escapes like six times, I think. And it's like, did you guys really need him to get caught and escape like six times? I don't think so. Like why? Like that was my question was like, it was like a Marvel movie in that sense of like, I'm like, this did not need to be two hours. Like this could have been like a lean hour and 45 minutes and it would have been a better movie in my right. opinion. They have to put all that to stuff like, in because it's like part of the genre. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. movie making at the time, like maybe at that point, and I'm not, I don't know too much about like film history in terms of like going to the cinema and stuff like that, but maybe they felt like they needed like an hour and a half to two movie, a two hour movie to like sell tickets to get like bums and mm. seats so they can make yeah. that, generate that cash. Um, so it could just be like, oh, we just make this fight scene longer and like, you know, throw in some extra time here and that sort of stuff. And, and it, it just felt bloated and boring. Like almost mm-hmm. all of more movies were like that. I mean, there are some, <laughs> there are some like, like, bits that i loved like i genuinely like jaws like he oh yeah he oh, he jaws? <laughs> oh amazing who is he in jaws no no who plays jaws uh yeah oh, I, I don't know i don't even know but like his character because he comes back in like uh, another movie i think because he um moonraker i think he's he's also in and that might yeah be the last one but he gets his girlfriend and they like you know uh, it's kind of sweet uh, in the end because you're like, this guy's just like a big dumb idiot. He's being told what to do by bad people. And uh, in short, you kill a few people, but like, you're all right. So I don't know. Richard <laughs> Keel. Yeah. And jaws. he's like sort of that classic, like he has, a, he has acromegaly. So he's like seven feet. And he's like sort of that yeah. classic guy that plays those characters. Like, I think like, like Jaws is one of the only characters where he actually gets to be a character and not kind of like, just like, a, a joke or like kind of like a scary guy right like i mean he's yeah. still scary but like yeah because he, he was a joke in billy madison i think like yeah he was, he was shot with a nail and stuff yes um, now i know that was a cool cameo actually <laughs> i didn't know that was the same actor <laughs> yeah and you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot <laughs> <Right>. later <laughs> he's totally just one of those so guys good. that like everyone rec- if you show him to someone they're like oh that guy but like he's yeah. not someone that like people like know for the name or whatever right like oh they yeah know the definitely name not Richard Keel, so yeah no, i wouldn't think so i found an interesting bit of trivia on lazenby 
Mm, um, and it it's, probably, it's probably hearsay, but John Cleese said that he wanted to cast him as Jesus Christ in the life of Brian. Oh, I'm interesting. Wanting to do something really is probably just anecdotal more than anything. But <laughs> Well, that might have been one of those things where the other pythons, like, you know, they had like, a, however they work, they were like, yeah, no, I don't think so. And he was like, okay, well. Yeah, you know. exactly, yeah. exactly. But that would have been interesting, definitely. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, because I can't say I've seen him in anything else, but I guess no, exactly. he, might, he might not have done a whole lot based on Well, he didn't. He kind of ended up being like a, a real estate guy. At the, at the end uh, of the day, like he did, he was not, he didn't like just make, he wasn't like, he was never back to like fully just making movies. And then he kind of had a resurgence as like wrecking, being wrecked. Like he, and again, he did those movies and he kind of became like one of those guys that appears in like B movie spy movies and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But just a really yeah. a good example of like the fickleness, I think, of like Hollywood and like even like the kind of like danger of being a a a, a like a, a a sudden success in Hollywood even yeah. when you don't even want to be or like when you even like aren't trying to be or whatever like yeah i just feel like and again like maybe making a couple of individual bad choices but because then those get amplified in the chamber of like Hollywood, like, ah, this is a bad guy to work with or whatever. Like only as good as your reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, damn. I so. wish I had watched this. I'm just checking his Wikipedia. He says he, uh, in 2017, he did a Hulu docudrama called becoming bond. Yeah. Which Matt he and I talked about life that. Story. We couldn't, we oh, couldn't okay. find it on anything. Like even YouTube, yeah. it's not on there. If you, oh, okay. Search it's hard was, to find. There was one documentary on, on YouTube that I found that I, I watched, but, um, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. Uh, I should have written it down to like, you know, give you a bibliography. Well, if you send me, <laughs> if you send me the link later, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, cause like yeah. it does, it does like kind of talk about his life and everything like that. Um, I think it might be a very fun, a very bond farewell with George Lazenby. Very bond Ooh, nice. um, and there's a couple of other like short things on there just about like his time as bond, um, and stuff like that. It, it, I don't know. He, he's, he's, he's not the best bond. He's certainly not the worst. There no, are, I, think, I think we can agree. Totally. Roger Moore is the worst bond. That's yes, what, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> like, I think we all feel like Roger Moore. Is yeah, like, I don't know yeah. why more people don't rank Roger Moore worse. Well, I think because values, they probably I think, grew up watching him as well. Maybe, like, I mean, yeah. like seven movies, but I feel like they had him doing weird hokey stuff, like going into space and stuff that like wasn't really like, they tried like, to like, yeah. That's another thing about like, to me, like, I wonder if in 30 years, the Marvel movies will have that same hokiness, especially the later ones where I mean, they kind of maybe. end up relying on like Spider-Man cameos and his quips. Like, you know, I kind <laughs> of wonder how much of the sort of like tongue in cheekness is like a kind of thing that ages really quickly. Yeah, no matter I guess that's how something to say. It. Yeah, I guess, Craig, you might have a better idea because you did read some of the source material, but I don't know how close like i know the books i think james bond's like yeah he's more serious and like get in there get the job done type thing maybe but there's definitely um, there, um from the ones that i read um and this was very long ago so please don't hold me to any of this but there was definitely a formula to the books right. to a pretty large extent um and a lot of the a lot of the ingredients in that formula were are kind of some of the tropes that we discussed and some of the kind of standard stuff getting trapped and escaping or whatever uh, getting the shit kicked out of you and like coming back from that adversity or getting tied to some contraption and then escaping from it to turn the tables all that stuff the right. bond girl the bond girl trope the villains like expedition uh, monologue trope yeah like all, all that stuff 
Okay. Um, so it's I, the type I, of stuff did, that's in the books too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I had read a couple of the books as well, but like, like I think it was more of the short stories. Mm-hmm. And this was like maybe when I was in my twenties, like early twenties. Um, right. And you're so like long, what, twenty-eight now, twenty-nine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so back. Back. That's like all of us. We're <laughs> yeah, all like twenty-eight, twenty-nine, approximately. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. all young. <laughs> yeah, anyway. No, uh, I'm forty. I remember. <laughs> Craig just breaks the. Approximately, Craig. <laughs> Approximately. <laughs> We're well, sorry uh, to spoil the party. Yeah, rounding down, <laughs> rounding down, <laughs> rounding very down. Yeah, for all of us. Uh, but no, the only, the only thing I remember from the books is because, uh, like, maybe I was just too young to understand what I was reading or something. But like, there was like a tree that had like a secret entrance, and that went down to like a bunker where there was like a spy network Layer. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that's that's all I can remember about the books. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Because I I would love to see the Hobbit spy room in like but that's, in the movies. You could drive a car into the side of the tree, and suddenly it's just a garage. I do think <laughs> it's like, like, oh, here's my layer. Super yeah. interesting spy um, HQ. Like like sort of the what you remember from childhood being the Bond movies, or like when you watched them when you were younger, and sort of like what's in the zeitgeist versus what the movies actually are too mm. and you know like where each of those st- like sort of stereotypes or tropes come from like the quipping is like that was in all of the bonds but it really was more that made it like a thing and then like you know like like connery was really the like the gross sort of over the top misogyny and stuff like that while also yeah, having like, looks good as James Bond. yeah and like and i think like it's interesting then like again like i told matt i kind of want to watch the austin powers movies now and i wish We'd had yeah. time to talk. Like maybe we'll have to have you back on, Matt, and we'll talk about Austin Powers. Just like the follow up. I think like yeah, there's yeah. a lot to explore in this beyond just George Lazenby. And like there's again, like there's second bananas to him. Like I would love to talk an episode about Diana Rigg. Like oh for sure, yeah. Um, I but but yeah. again, like we I think we've been going for like two hours now, and I just feel like it's, this was a such lot a lot to unpack. Yeah. A lot to unpack and so fascinating. And um and I oh, think great, like great subject though. Yeah, dude. I this think, was I think so you nailed awesome. it, Matt. It's a good and, uh, it's a really good second banana. Yeah, and, yeah. I think I think I have a bit of a soft spot too because A, he is Australian. So like uh that that right. to me is like uh that's kind of cool that like the only Australian bond is also mm. considered the worst one, but like in in fact he's <laughs> not so not really for any not, good reason. He yeah, should not be. Well, and how much did that play into, like... a very progressive take on the character, too. Yeah, and how much did that play into, like, the way he was received by all these Brits on set? Right. Versus, like, if he had been, you know, an actual... I guess, like, Sean Connery isn't really British either, though, or he's he's Scottish, Scottish. but he's from... From the from the British Isles, right? Right, um, right. There is yeah. de- there is a degree uh, yes. of of racism of British people towards Australians still, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> generally towards the colonies in general. The yeah, colonies, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Right, right. Uh, I've I've been referred to as a convict uh, and stuff like that, which you know you kind of wow. just laugh off, but yeah. like uh, it's still it kind of it kind of stings occasionally. It's like I mean, come better on, a man. convict than an imperial pig, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah, a good totally. comeback. Thank you. You're, you're golden, that, Matt. Golden. I did have. I have a chat group where where with like a bunch of like other comedians and one of them is English and one of them is Irish and when Lovely. Prince Philip died I made like a double joke where I like extended my condolences to the English one and then my congratulations to the Irish <laughs> one. <laughs> awesome. But uh I I think they uh, I think they were like haha that's funny but like shut the fuck up. <laughs> I do I do wonder what the good how the good people of Edinburgh feel about losing their duke. Yeah, yeah, they definitely are pretty upset about Sad. that. Maybe torn uh, between who gives a fuck and I, I literally knew nothing who? about the guy until he died, and then oh, I found you... out he's racist. So it's like, okay, yeah. I'm not. I don't feel bad. Then. Well, his dad I mean, was killed assume... by the IRA. 
His really? dad was blown Holy up shit. by the IRA on a boat. Okay, nice. I didn't know that. So, well done, IRA. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, am I outing yeah. myself a bit here? No, no, no. I think we did we did a whole film kind of talking about a figure of British imperialism. We might as well do some anti anti imperialist sentiment while do we're do some limey bashing over here. I think uh I think uh yeah, I just this was a great episode and I do have kind of a little take on sort of like James Bond and this is just like something I kind of want to pitch. I think what James Bond needs is like a bro. Like he needs a, a bud. Like, and I don't mean like, like he has like Felix Leiter and in theory he has 006, but like you can tell they're not friends. Right? He doesn't like, know. And so no. like what happens is he's like this guy who has all this trauma and stuff from like being like a spy and getting his ass kicked and like do it and doing all this dirty work. And he doesn't have anyone to talk to. So he like kind of like meets these women and he's got this easy charisma and he falls and he, he kind of, they're not just sexual encounters to him obviously because some of them he kind of stays with and calls them darling and like goes on trips with them but then he always like they're gone in the next film or they get killed sometimes and it's just like reminds me of guys like sensitive guys who like treat their girlfriends like therapists and like obviously like your partner should be there to help you through stuff but there's like a certain type of guy who's sensitive but he's very like inward and he kind of whenever he encounters a woman he kind of attaches all these things to her of like she's the place i can be like myself and open and i just think like james bond needs a guy friend he can talk to about shit and like that would stop being so toxic that would make him stop being so toxic towards women yeah because it's like this that double-edged sort of like he loves them and he hates them he he needs them and he resents them and like just give James Bond like a real bro, like a get 008 on the case. And maybe it's Phoebe Waller bridge. Maybe it's like, you know, like a woman, but she's not interested in him and he's not interested in her. I don't know. I just think that that's my pitch for the James Bond series and how to solve the problem right. of really shitty misogynist James Bond. I don't know. What that's do you think? That's the thing with spies. International spies can't have close contacts because they get put in danger and become know, liabilities. Joe. It's the life he I'm chose. That's the life saying. he chose. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't know if there is a coming back from, from like what, 70 years now of, yeah. I don't know how to do math. Uh, no, that's 40, 40 70, yeah, something nope, like that. 60 years because it was 1961. Yeah. So it's been 60 go. years of James Bond. So nice. I, I don't know if there's coming back from like 60 years of misogyny and totally. shit like that. Yeah. Like It's a little yeah. late, but I'm just saying like maybe if he had a bro, none of this would have happened. So maybe we need yeah. to consider that. Let's, let's no. go back in time, yeah. rewrite history and uh, give, give bartender. He's got to have a yeah. barkeep that he yeah, can talk totally. to. That's like a bro, basically. Yeah. If you're that close yeah. to your bartender. Yeah. It's like a bro at arm's length. That's only there when you a want to drink. at arm's like... length. That's a good one. Single order bro. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks for coming on, Matt. Really appreciate yeah, this is it. Great. great. Thanks episode. for having me. Um, and, uh, yeah. Do you have any plugs? You got, you got, you want to plug something Your whatever, or you can just plug your, your online presence or whatever. Yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, yeah. Follow me online at, uh, on Instagram and Twitter at MK hottie. Um, that's probably the best place to, to, to find me on Instagram actually. Cause I don't tweet that much anymore. Cause Twitter is the hell. Yeah. It it's sure difficult. Is. It's difficult That's to be there like right it. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do have I have a, a live stream that uh, I also post on YouTube with a bunch of artists and illustrators called Magical Marker. It's a D and D game that we uh we draw what happens along the way uh, it's, oh my it's, god that's amazing it's very yeah. cool everyone should check it out i i, can, I pump it on my instagram you? and twitter sometimes so i want i want to hire like an artist to to do arcade colin from that we work with has done some sketches and they're always so awesome it's like that's such a good idea are you <laughs> open for commissions right now is that something we should yeah. oh, hell yeah yeah 
Okay. Yeah, for sure. Wes, uh, send Matt an email. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and some money. Yeah, and some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, some money we attached. wrapped up a campaign, but if we start up a new one, which I'm sure we will in a few months, then then yeah, definitely yeah. get to that. That's a great Thanks. idea. Cool. Well, thanks, Matt. And uh, so you can follow uh, me. I'm at Stop Joe Now on Twitter and Instagram. Wes, what about you? I am. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at W Two Dubs or on Instagram. I am at Wes Walcott. And Craig has a. Uh, a, a you can a, follow me to the park for a brewski <laughs> after work. But oh, hell yeah. Distance because I don't want you goddamn COVID. Craig oh, did have a okay. MySpace account, but that's the last time he's fucked with social media. <laughs> and uh, follow the podcast itself. We're at number two bananas pod on Twitter and Instagram. That's at number two bananas pod or email us second bananas pod at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, give us a rating and a five-star review because that helps us get up there and uh, get our get these episodes to more people. Thank you again for listening to Second Bananas, and we'll see you next week or a week after next week. Either one. You know. You know the schedule. Soonish. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.